little brother has taken control Shoveling dirt in every hole Predators to condemn your soul Watching you and watching me We're all connected but separated Misunderstood and so frustrated A million armies of one have invaded Watching you and watching me
The views and opinions expressed by tonight's guest and topic of discussion do not necessarily represent the official policy or position of Spaced Out Radio. Spaced Out Weekend, Spaced Out Radio Limited, its hosts, syndicated carriers, or anyone associated with this broadcast. Any rebroadcast, reproduction, or other use of this broadcast or podcast without the express written consent of Spaced Out Radio, Spaced Out Weekend, or Spaced Out Radio Limited is strictly prohibited. Listener discretion is advised. From high atop the mountains of British Columbia to you listening around the world, this is Spaced Out Radio with host Dave Scott. You can follow us on our website, spacedoutradio.com, on iTunes, and tune in. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, on Facebook at Spaced Out Radio Show, or on our YouTube channel, Spaced Out Radio Show. Word is. Buckle up, space travelers. It's time to go for a ride on Spaced Out Radio. Mr. Bumblefoot, Dave is ready for liftoff. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six. Five, four, three, two, one. Captain, prepare for Good evening and welcome to Spaced Out Radio tonight. I am your host, Dave Scott. Good to have you along for the ride wherever you are on this great planet we like to call Earth. Yes, we are live right here in Uncle Jimbo's cabin, right here in the Great White North on this Tuesday night, early Wednesday morning if you're on the East Coast. Let's welcome in everyone listening in on SpacedOutRadio.com, on Spreaker, on the United Public Radio Network, radio, make that renegade talk radio out of Las Vegas, the High Plains Talk 
Talk Radio Network and on Revolution Radio. We do this thing every night of the week as we rock in and out of every show. Thanks to our resident guitar god, Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thal, formerly of Guns N' Roses, currently of Art of Anarchy. Yes, Bumblefoot is the official sound of SOR. Hey, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do so at Space Out Radio. Give our Facebook page a like, Space Out Radio Show. On Instagram, I can be followed at Dave Scott, SOR. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Space Out Radio Show. Tune us in on TuneIn. Download this show and others on iTunes. And, of course, our website is spaceoutradio.com. While there... If you want to take part in this show, you have to sign into one of the chat rooms, either on Revolution Radio, on Spreaker, on the UPRN chat room, and on Facebook at the SOR Space Travelers Club. Or if you're on Twitter, use the hashtag SpacedOutRadio, and I'll get to your questions in there as well. Have you signed up for the SOR Space Travelers Club yet on our website? No? Well, it's only 5 bucks a month. And with that, your name gets entered into monthly prize draws. You're going to get access to private group interviews, access to a special posting section on our website, and so much more. While on our website, read up on my latest blog. Check out Eric Markham's SOR Spacewire for your latest and weird news. If you've had a sighting you can't explain, just fill out an SOR Sightlines report. Our researcher, Mike Schmidt, is going to get to it ASAP. We want to welcome everyone listening in on our newest affiliate, Renegade Talk Radio out of Las Vegas, Nevada. Yes, we are live in Sin City, and we want to thank everyone tuning in on the United Public Radio Network, live on 107.7 FM in New Orleans, in over 160 countries around the world. And remember, if you're listening in on Revolution Radio, the Double R Machine is a donation station financed by you the valued listener head on over to freedomslips.com and donate today well 2017 is now well underway and being a few days in we should have all unwound and gotten back to the real life outside of the holiday season Predictionist Sean David Morton is here tonight to take a look at what's coming for this year from donald trump's inauguration to whether the world will actually settle down a little bit then we can talk a little bit about disclosure and so much more as this show is going to have a fun direction is really with Sean. You never really know where it's going to go. He's a passionate man about his visions, and he has a regular daily talk show on Revolution Radio. Controversial at times, Sean is someone whose predictions have come to fruition on numerous occasions. He is a psychic and an expert on remote viewing. He's worked in television doing documentaries on everything from Bigfoot to Area 51. And, of course, he is an author as well with two best-selling books. We welcome in Sean David Morton back to Spaced Out Radio for the second time. Sean, how are you? Hey, buddy. Uh, that's oh, I'm up to two now. So uh, <laughs> two, two appearances on Spaced Out Radio. Fantastic. We are uh, rolling this up. Yeah. Your lady friend Karen was trying to get in, I think, uh... Something about and she she was uh, she was trying to Skype me instead of instead of getting in. But uh, yes, uh, thank you. It's chilly up there where you are. It's uh, minus like a million. You, well, okay? you know, you know what? I can honestly say I went outside for a few minutes today, and I got cold real fast, real so fast. You need to go someplace warm in the winter, man. It's it, it's a type of cold, my friend. That if you've never experienced it, it's 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 a painful cold. Yeah, I yeah I've been up in Canada, up in those in those areas, but whoosh. Anyway, so uh, uh, it's been raining down here in Southern California. It's it's always nice. It, it hit like sixty degrees, and we've had some rain for a couple of days. But it's been uh, it's been it's been nice down here. It's been fantastically pleasant, actually. This uh, 
while the whole rest of the country is is getting murdered. And um, it is it is interesting because uh, a part of what I've been predicting for a while has been just rain, 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 snow, 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 snow. That this was going to be the big year. Uh, the big year for you know all the rains and all the snows that that last year was going to be a complete uh, uh, you know last year they they were calling it the Godzilla El Nino and I was the only one that was saying uh, no it's going to be the La Nina it's going to be in the next year and of course here in California because we have a, a a government that's that borders on either ridiculous or downright evil with Jerry Brown because the problem is that California goes through a series of 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 dry, of dry spells and droughts. And then we have massive rain, but California won't build any dams, even though we have all these people that move here. Uh, Jerry Brown is an example. Back in the 70s is who basically destroyed California by appointing some of the worst judges ever by then saying, well, we're not going to build roads so that way people won't use them. And then he took the gas tax that was supposed to pay for the infrastructure of California and put it into education. And California now has the 47th, we're 47th out of 50 states. We're just below like Arkansas or something as far as education goes with all this money going in our education system and not roads. Uh, he was obsessed back then even even with building these uh, high-speed trains. And now Jerry Brown is back uh, appointing some of the worst judges, doing some of the worst things. Uh, and once again, trying to get this choo-choo, uh, this, this choo-choo train to nowhere, this high-speed a uh, supersonic train that goes out in the middle of the desert and basically dumps people out in Barstow. So uh, it's just very interesting for me to see all the all the flooding. Um, uh, Northern California, uh, Mammoth, just north of Los Angeles, is getting 20 feet of snow. Not inches, mind you, but feet of snow. Uh, and they're saying that these are the worst storms since uh, uh, 2005. And they're calling it the water war that, uh, you know, just rain, 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 uh, destroying the forests, uh, doing all that. And, of course, everything that happens to California, uh, you know, we grow like 40% of the food for the rest of the United States. So what happens here affects uh, affects everything else. I'm sorry. I'm just launching into it. I wasn't sure if we, where we were going with that. Let's rock and roll, my friend. Let's rock and roll. I do want to get to a couple questions before sure. we get fully underway here. As okay. someone who has been known over the last couple of decades as a very accurate predictionist, you know, yes. how do these thoughts come to you? Because a lot of people often wonder, myself included, how you get these visions. Uh, okay, well, it's I just I worked very hard actually uh, to get to the place where I'm at. It's not like uh, Barry Allen, police scientist, while mixing chemicals late one night, gets struck by a bolt of lightning and becomes the Human Flash. I don't have a uh, I don't have a good origin story other than, uh, you know, like Gordon Scallion. He has a good origin story. He has a heart attack. He wakes up. He can uh, suddenly see all kinds of crazy colors and do all kinds of stuff. And, uh, and, and Gordon was, I must admit, one of the Mac Daddy. If anybody's ever heard of him, he sort of went out of phase or fashion, if you will, uh, quite some time ago. But, uh, you know, Gordon Scallion had a newsletter called uh, the Matrix Newsletter, I think. And Gordon was the kind of Mac Daddy of of, uh, of future and earthquake predictors up until about the early 1990s. Uh, my journey on this has just been, you know, having a, an Irish grandmother from the old country that uh, you know knew I had uh, could see around a few corners, as she used to say, and had the second sight, and was you know kind enough to sort of sort of teach me. I mean, I uh, I started studying tarot when I was like eight or nine years old. You know, my mother caught me with my tarot cards and had a full-on exorcism performed on me. Uh, <laughs> but I'd always had this 
I'd always had these abilities. And I, I think the first time I ever, it ever manifested, which was really, really strange was my having this horrible, horrible dream about Gus Grissom, who had been like a, a dad to me when I was a kid. And uh, I had a dream of him, him burning and, uh, and being trapped somewhere in Apollo one. And I started yelling and screaming about it. And, and I told Gus and, you know, I used to not want to let him leave the house. And of course, Gus, he, he died in Apollo one. Um, weirdly enough, Don Isley was also scheduled to be in Apollo one, uh, in, in, in place of Ed White. And, uh, Don was actually over at our house and, uh, he put me up on his shoulders to jump off the diving board into the pool and he slipped and I came down on his shoulder and dislocated his shoulder, which is what stopped him from being burned alive in, in Apollo 1. But that was the first time I can remember having a, a premonition, I guess you could say, like that. And then, uh, and then meanwhile, uh, when, I was in, uh, when I was going to Stanford for summer school, we, and this is just the progression of this, but uh, the guys at the Stanford Research Institute, Russell Targ specifically, had uh, they came into a psychology class? This was like an advanced placement summer school class, and came into a, a, a psych class, like Psych 101, and said, "How'd you like to do an experiment?" And the first experiment that we did was, uh, and this is when we discovered later when DARPA and CIA uh, were all talking about losing the psychic space race, and it, it's it, it's very interesting because I was involved early on in a lot of this. There were two books that were written by two journalists for the National Enquirer back when the, the Enquirer wasn't just a, a tabloid rag sheet. It was out of Florida, and it was, a very, it was a very intense investigative newspaper. And these authors wrote two books called Soviet Psychic Discoveries, Volume 1 and 2. The second time they came out of Russia, the Russians arrested them for espionage. And, you know, we in the United States were just joking around with it and think that this was all just, uh, you know, a bunch of hooey. But it's pretty obvious that the Russians were taking it very, very seriously. And the Russians claimed they had a – well, they had, a, well, they had one woman named uh, Maria Labed and big, big uh, uh, Ukrainian woman, I think it was, you know, uh, big black hair, uh, very thick, heavy set. But she could do all kinds of crazy things. She could move matchsticks with her mind. She uh, was able to actually stop the heart of a frog in a laboratory experiment from a room away. And the Russians claimed to have actually had psychics that could actually stand behind Richard Nixon in the Oval Office and read documents that the president was looking at. And they had the files to actually prove it. Uh, that, that started really freaking out the United States in the, uh, in the early to mid-70s. So it became known as the psychic space race. And the minute they put that moniker on it, of the psychic space race, the, uh, uh, that's when they started spending all kinds of money. And they said, well, we've got to figure out we, uh, you know, the Russians are out winning medals while we're in the locker room still putting on our, our shorts, I think, as I heard somebody say. And so we embarked on a program where we wanted to teach soldiers who have the psychic abilities of a, a bag of bullets, literally, uh, whether or not we could actually come up with some kind of uh, a series of techniques to, you know, make them really kind of super soldiers. So... They went to Stanford, which was the you know the strangest place on earth, earth next to Berkeley, and uh, were spending all kinds of money. And they came across Russell Targ and Hal Putoff and uh, and Ingo Swan, and they said, "Look, we want a uh, we want you to come up with some kind of psychic system. We want to come up with something where we can uh, uh, we can teach people how to be psychic." I guess so. That's the uh, 
uh, sort of the interesting part about it. So um, Russell and his brilliance, and, and Russell's a, a fantastic man, an amazing scientist, and is responsible for the satellites that ring this planet. Uh, he came up with a technique of, of being able to, I, I guess you could say, uh, um, specific, uh, specify, if you will, uh, focused attention to be able to focus on, uh, on events in the future, to be able to see things that were remote from you in time, not only time and space, which later became known as remote viewing, which is a term that I think, uh, how put off was the, uh, was the one that actually put this together. So, um, Anyway, I'm just in a class. I mean, I'm 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 still in high school. Well, actually, it was the summer after my uh, senior year. I just graduated, and I was doing summer school classes at Stanford, and then I, I transferred to USC. But in these classes, the 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 uh, the SRI Stanford Research Institute guys came came in, and they said we want to do this experiment. So they they taught us a series of protocols, and then we took two kids out of the class, and they wanted us to predict where those two kids would be the next day at 2 p.m. somewhere on campus. So uh, what happened was, is with these techniques, it was very interesting. We, we made a prediction as to where exactly they would be. And then the kids at exactly noon, the two kids were basically just kind of randomly kicked out of a car. And this gives you an idea of the advancements of the, uh, of the experiment. Uh, we were using a twister spinner at that time. Uh, remember, you know, the game Twister? And uh, so we're using sure. a twister, a twister spinner, and they would they were instructed to, uh, to walk in a random direction for 15 minutes, spin the spinner, and then whatever direction it pointed to, they would just walk in that direction for 15 minutes and, and just do this for two hours, until at about two o'clock they were they were then to uh, note where they were on campus specifically, what direction they were looking, what they were by, et cetera, et cetera, and then once they did that, they opened this envelope, and of course they I think it was. Uh, uh, they were standing. There's a fountain in the quad that looks towards the Hoover Tower, and uh, and we I, th- I think had marked it actually on a map. And they opened it, and lo and behold, they were exactly where we had predicted the day before. Now, the military applications for that are single-handedly amazing. I mean, if you could, and the weird part about it is, is they've done everything randomly. And so it's, it becomes a thing, okay, what is predestiny? What is, uh, you know, what is things that we can actually see? It's a, you know, it's a very odd thing, but the military applications of just that, of like, you know, where is Osama bin Laden going to be in a certain period of time? Or where is uh, Saddam Hussein going to be? Or, you know, whatever terrorist, the, the terrorist du jour, where are they going to be at a certain point in time and space to be able to predict that? Now, it got more interesting because, uh, you know, after that, I, uh, my, you know, I'd studied astrology and, uh, and uh, tarot cards, and I had an uncle that was uh, good friends with George Harrison and was like the astrologer for the Beatles, and, you know, I learned astrology from him, and then I was, I was still working on my uh, uh, multiple decks with tarot cards to be able to use the cards. And I think tarot cards are the most interesting because the challenge of it is is that you, your mind, and I hope I'm not boring you with this part, um, if you if you separate the bicameral fissure of the brain, the left hand side of the brain, which we think of, think of as the the male dominant uh, uh, superego conscious that controls the right hand side of the body, is only good for measuring things. It's only good for up down right left center, uh, and a linear measurement of time, which is not really how time works. Time is a it's literally like a, a big wibbly wobbly kind of ball of string, and the right hand side of the brain, which is what we're accessing now. And we'll talk about this as we get into the prediction stuff. But the right-hand side of the brain exists in 
It thinks in terms of symbols, archetypes, pictures, paintings, fluid movement, dance, color, and thinks really in terms of quantum time. So the theory about all of this is, is that all of time and space as we know it, as part of the unfolding hologram, all somehow exists in the right-hand side of the brain. And the uh, the superior anterior section of the brain towards the back of the right-hand side of your head is the, the part of your brain that's that's triggered by uh, psilocybins, peyote, magic mushrooms, LSD, uh, marijuana, kind of to an extent. Although marijuana is, it's you know, it's it's more of a it's more of a numbing, it's more of a numbing agent rather than something that actually opens the brain. It just kind of puts you to sleep and kind of makes you stupid. But uh, uh, but that's the whole part of the brain that's activated by all these things. So. Two plus two equals four to the left hand side of the brain, which is the dominant male side of the brain, and the and two plus two equals purple to the right hand side of the brain, which is kind of like a, it's like a lady in a purple muumu running through a field of poppies, if you will, but it's looking at quantum time. It can actually access all of time and all of space, as we know it, if you can actually come up with a set of tools that, on the one hand, keeps the left side of the brain busy. So you give it a spaceship and Tonka trucks and, and toys to play with, but then you trick it into allowing you to get information from the right-hand side of the brain, which is universal. So in, in, in my form of remote viewing, uh, which I called spiritual remote viewing, and I used to teach classes in, in this you know, for a long time, uh, I gave people a spaceship. I gave people the USS Enterprise as an idea, and you're sitting in the, the captain's chair, and you have Mr. Spock accessing a... Uh, a computer that accesses the universal mind. You have Lieutenant Uhura who communicates with that. You've got, you know, Chekhov and Sulu that lay in your courses, and then you've got a screen in front of you that then allows you to view certain things and also keep a distance between you and the thing you are viewing, uh, which becomes which comes in very handy when you're viewing things like murders or, uh, you know, crime as an example, because it's uh, uh, when you view those types of crimes you become what's called the prima mobile. In other words, it's very difficult to see who does it because you become the the main actor within the viewing. So uh, uh, you can sort of look down and just kind of see your hands and maybe see what you're wearing, but you actually become the uh, the prime mover in this. And as we moved on, uh, with all this, uh, Elizabeth Targ, Russell's daughter, she and I she and I met up by happenstance. She actually was answering an ad in a paper for a room in my house. And it turns out that, you know, obviously I knew, I knew her dad and, and uh, we'd done the remote viewing thing and she was doing it as well. And uh, Elizabeth and I wound up actually becoming, you know, involved, boyfriend, girlfriend, living with each other for a couple of years. And, um, uh, and so we were doing a series of remote viewings uh, where we'd figure out how to win at roulette, as an example, or horse races or any game of chance as far as using the RV stuff. And uh, Russell, her father, had put together something called the original Delphi Associates, and he was using remote viewing to predict uh, silver futures. But the problem with it is that once the people that were doing the viewing realized that there were people that were making bets on their on on the outcomes of their viewings and were making all kinds of money, and they weren't making anything, the you know the whole thing kind of fell apart. And that's that's really another challenge of doing a remote viewing, especially if you're doing it for money or, you know, for whatever else, uh, because you have to find a way to separate the base root chakra, if you will, which is the, you know, reproductive, uh, you know, it's the superego as an example. And you've got to be, find a way to separate that from like the fifth, sixth and seventh chakras, which is where the psychic energy and information comes. Cause the minute you start getting money involved with it, 
you know, things have a tendency to kind of go away. So, um, so Elizabeth and I would just, you know, go to Vegas with a couple thousand bucks and come back with, you know, 15, 20 grand, which would pay for her school and, uh, uh, pay for her school and, you know, pay the rent and you know, pay whatever else. So, and in that sense, then, you know, I went off and I, when I graduated from college, I'd, um, you know, I'd sold a, uh, I'd sold a, a pilot to, uh, Gene Roddenberry. I was good friends with, um, I'd sold a script to Buck Rogers. Uh, I worked on a bunch of stuff in the entertainment I- I- industry with music videos and all that. And I was in the nightclub business and, uh, when the nightclub kind of folded and my partners had snorted all the money up their nose, uh, I made a huge amount of money in the stock market using these, uh, these abilities. And um, I had bought uh, stock in King World Syndication three months before Wheel of Fortune, Jeopardy, and Oprah went on the air. And I saw Oprah and I just saw this glow around her and had this feeling. And I said, that's it. She's going to be the business. And I poured every dime I had into that. So I, you know, I was sitting pretty comfortably on about half a million dollars in stocks. And when the nightclub thing went away, and I was also in a restaurant and that I owned and you know was working and just was working too hard. And so in 1985, I uh, packed a bag and a stick and went to I went to Ireland. I went to England. I became involved in a whole adventure with something called the Green Stone, which is kind of interesting. And I wrote a movie about. I then went to India to go to something called the Kumbh Mela. And then uh, in India, I actually lived in Dharamsala, which is where uh, the, the Dalai Lama is. And his, I don't know what you call it, his compound or something. And I was taking Tibetan classes, and I set up a school program for uh, uh, Tibetan kids there at the orphanage. That years later, Benedict Cumberbatch actually came and, and took over, which is, uh, you know, which I think he's a great guy for doing that. And then uh, I had a meeting with the Dalai Lama, and uh, <clears throat> I asked him. He was leaving the next day, and I said, I don't feel like I'm done with what I'm doing. And he was kind enough to say, Go here which was, a, he wrote me a letter and the whole deal, which was a monastery in Nepal called Tang Bache. And uh, went to Tang Bache, took a, you know, took a plane and took a, took a bus and took a train and took an ox cart and then walked the last 300 miles. And uh, so I went to Tang Bache and I was at Tang Bache about eight months or so, <clears throat> excuse me, in 1986. And it was there that they showed me how to, you know, really hone a lot of my abilities and, you know, taught me a lot of secrets that, uh, are not really available to the world. And, and, you know, the biggest thing is, and and to wrap up this little story here, um, I think the biggest thing for everybody that if they, if they're interested in doing anything psychic or anything, uh, anything intuitive, um, it all really has to do with, well, number one, for me, it had to do with getting in tune with the earth. And when I was in tune to the earth, I I could feel what the earth was going through. And that allowed me to predict uh, and become very famous doing it. Uh, to predict uh, earthquakes, actually in the in the early 1990s, and be deadly accurate with it, because I was able to uh, combine not only my physical feelings but also my uh, working pendulums. Uh, I work with maps as well, which we call cartomancy, and uh, and I work with time frames and timelines, and I just kind of figured it out. And then also, I got a group of people together who were similarly gifted, if you will. And I use them as the team where if I was picking something up, I would say, look, you know, take a look at this period of time. Tell me if you're picking up something. So I was getting confirmation of this. We were on the news, you know, I mean, dozens of times because, uh, matter of fact, the funniest story was we'd, uh, I'd made this rather bold prediction that there was going to be a, a, you know, major above five and a half earthquake in, uh, in Southern California within about a 60 mile radius of, uh, of LA. And it was going to happen on, I forget the exact date, but it was going to happen on a, a Tuesday. And, uh, and I said, I think it was like next Tuesday. So Artemis Shamamian ran the channel nine news desk 
and she thought it'd be funny. It's like, okay, well, let's send the news crew down to Sean's house on Tuesday, and we'll beard the lion in his den and you know make a fool out of him when the earthquake doesn't happen on the day he said it was going to happen. And uh, I swear on a Bible, the stack of Bibles has happened. As the news crew was coming up the front steps of the hallway to my house at like 9.30 in the morning, the earthquake hit. And they're all standing in the hallway with me opening the door, uh, you know, with them completely freaking out because the earthquake is, is happening while I'm standing there like Doctor Strange in the doorway saying, uh, well, that was fun. And so instead of, oh, we're mocking this guy, they were actually in my house saying, uh, you know, at the, uh, for the noon edition, we have the psychic that predicted the earthquake this morning, uh, Sean Morton down in Hermosa Beach. And, you know, there I was. And they're like, well, how do you do it? And I'm like, I don't know. How do you breathe? How do you... uh you know, it's just a question of focusing and getting an idea of uh, – because time is – the interesting thing about time is is that there's a chaos theory to time. Are you okay? Am I just blabbering away here? No, we're all listening away here. Uh-huh. You go okay. right ahead. <laughs> all right. The fascinating thing about time is is that there really is a – there's a chaos theory to it. So it's like you can – if I if you and I jumped in a time machine and we went forward and saw – I don't know, the great Los Angeles earthquake is, as an example, and we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, and let's say it happened like April 12th for whatever reason. No matter how many times we would go to the future, it wouldn't happen on the same day. It would be within you know five or six days. It would be the 15th or the 16th or whatever. It would happen in that period of time. But the chaos theory of it is, is that if you have a butterfly that goes from point A to point B 10,000 times, He'll reach the destination of point A and point B, but he'll do it a, a, like there's 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 a, there's ten thousand different ways that he'll do it. It's 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 why you can't hit a bullseye every time. There's a chaos theory to the universe, really, that shows you that no matter how many times you try to do something, that it always comes out, it always comes out different on the other end. And there is very much the possibility of shifting and or changing the timeline through human will. But it's sort of like the interesting part about it is is that is that if you look at the grander picture, there's seven there's seven days, if you will, or seven thousand years that have been triggered, and each thousand years is considered a day. And everyone currently incarnating on this planet is all in the same school, and we've all come into this university now. Uh, you know, I might take drama, you might take, you know, communication, somebody else might take mathematics or English or whatever, but there's, there's very certain classes or events that we all have to gather for, uh, in order to matriculate through this cosmic university we call earth. And I, I, I've known since a very young age, I've, I had some amazing psychic and or intuitive or spiritual experiences in the great pyramid of Giza. Because I had the opportunity to live there when I was about 16 years old, my uh, my stepdad had a Lebanese business partner, and uh, we went to Egypt as part of the first wave of Americans when Sadat took over from Nasser, and they started turning away from the Soviet Union towards the United States. And so my dad sort of took up the challenge that uh, 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 as an import exporter, that we went to Egypt to export you know copper and furniture and materials and sheets and linen and all that, and we imported blue jeans and music, you know, all the stuff that, you know, all the stuff American culture uses to corrupt everybody. So, you know, I had this fantastic chance to be in the pyramid, climb on the pyramid, climb around the pyramid, spend the night in the pyramid and study the pyramid from, uh, 
everything from rabbis to mullahs to imams to fakirs to whatever else that all have the, all these different theories about about the pyramid. So from a very young age, I've I've known how the future is going to play out. From a very young age, I've known these things. Like for example, when I when I went on my great quest to go to go to India and then go to Nepal and then come back through and learn the things that I did. Uh, I went on November, I started off on November 30th of 1985 because there was a, there was a, a passage, if you will, a, uh, uh, the sacred geometry of the pyramid pointed to a specific period of time that stated that on November 30th of 1985, the powerful spiritual influences would begin to irradiate the enlightened, bringing them closer to spiritual and material perfection. I also think it's interesting that at that time, you had a whole new group of children coming in. Uh, the abortion wave had begun to uh, uh, sort of dissipate. Uh, you know, Reagan was the great big daddy in the White House, Everybody and, and everybody felt more confident about the economy. And I just think it's interesting that some, for whatever reason, kids from 1973 to 85, we had these massive abortion numbers, and then for whatever reason, we started you know, having kids again in 85, probably because of Reagan as well. So we have this very interesting generation of children that come through uh, in 85 that we would call maybe the um, the Blu-ray kids. And then you have the Indigo kids. And now after 2012, you're having the, uh, I guess you call them the Violet children that are now incarnating. But, uh, you know, the pyramid was very specific about the Christos or the Christ force becoming physical, becoming uh, that beginning in 1933, that we would see the Christ begin to come in the clouds, that the vibrational frequency of the planet would start to shift and start to change. And from 33 and then to 85 and then to about 2000 or so, and then after 2012, I do think we have these these blue, violet, and indigo uh, children and generations. But I also think, too, that after 1955, between 55 and 65 or so, uh, the, the, uh, the Tibetans also had a big prophecy that all these people would be killed in Tibet and there would be a transmigration of souls, that a uh, the transmigration of souls would be that you would have these millions of people killed in Tibet would then incarnate, and this is like 8th century prophecy, but they'd incarnate into the land of the Red Man, which is America, the United States, obviously not discovered until 1492, but that they would all transmigrate to the land of the Red Man, and in the land of the Red Man, the true religion would take hold. Now, I, I don't know exactly what the true religion is, but certainly, you know, the Dalai Lama is uh, very much, uh, I don't know if worshipped, but, uh, you know, certainly respected as a, a, a major uh, force for good and a major figure here. So that's the, so that's the, that's the warp and weave. That's the strum and drang, if you will, of the, of the overview of this. So I, you know, I have a very clear idea <clears throat> of how things are going to go and, and what's going to happen. And so far it's, you know, it's all very much coming down that way. But, and let me just make one, one comment here that the, that, that everything has shifted. A lot of people say, well, why don't you do all these predictions anymore? And, you know, here you had this, and, and by the way, this wasn't just me spewing things out there. When I, when I made a prediction on coast to coast with Art Bell, back when the show was good, uh, I made the prediction specifically, I, I would research it. I would meditate on it. I would get the maps out. I would have a list of questions for Art to ask so I, so I could focus on, on what it was. But I was making these predictions in front of 26 million people. I mean, that was his listening audience at that time, about 26 million people. And then to back it up, I would then write it down and put it in print in a newsletter called the Delphi Associates Newsletter, which we had about 50,000 subscribers at the time. So that, you know, I wasn't just whistling Dixie. It wasn't just stuff that I was, you know, pulling monkeys out of my behind. 
uh, you know, because I, I, I noticed that, you know, you have these other psychics that were, well, psychics, intuitives, whatever, uh, you know, with the exception of Gordon Scallion, I have to, I have to give him credit where credit's due. And I'll tell you why his, why his predictions all shifted and why everything he was talking about went away and how we're on a different timeline. After 2012, when you had the, and, and the interesting things about 2012 is you had a, you had this, uh, this amazing, uh, Venus ingress where Venus was crossing the face of the sun. You had for the first time in 26,000 years, a total solar eclipse, uh, on May 20th, which is, which was exactly, uh, uh, which was the first time in 26,000 years that the sun and the moon and the constellation of the Pleiades had actually aligned. And whenever you get alignments with the Pleiades, it always has to do with the next ascension of mankind. And then with the final, it wasn't, it wasn't about the end of the world. It was all about the end of the old world and that after 2012, now for the first time in 26,000 years, there is a veil that has been lifted from the right-hand side of the brain, from the, from the psychic side of the brain. So everything that you're seeing now, David, everything that's happening, and it's, and it's not just, you know, it's, it's with Putin and Russia. Uh, we're going to talk about what's happening with, like, Marine Le Pen in France and what that's going to be. And then with what, you know, what, with what Trump is coming down, and you can see, you know, a lot of these very evil forces that are trying to oppose him, obviously these, you know, the 25,000 forms of media and, and that the, uh, you know, the media is all connected in with the Illuminati, which is why they can't find anybody to, you know, perform at the inauguration. Although I think, I think Kanye West being backed by the Mormon Tabernacle Choir would be the greatest thing ever. I would totally pay money to see that. Uh, uh, but you can see what's happening. It's now, now people are, because we're, we're finally really entering in a, in the cusp of the Aquarian age, people are voting to be free. People are voting to not be bossed around. People are voting to... Uh, you know, for the new paradigm. And this is, this is what's manifesting. So the challenge with predicting the future is now, after 2012, we've gone past height, width, breadth, and a linear measurement of time, which is the four dimensions, into fifth-dimensional reality. And that fifth-dimensional reality means that now we can interconnect with each other to actually make reality happen, to actually... And, and I'm starting to think that maybe, like motion pictures, like two, like the like the movie 2012 as an as an, as an example, um, maybe these these movies of of disaster and terror and all that other stuff, maybe maybe we get to have those experiences now up on a screen, so that we don't have to have them really happen. Um, so you know, I, I around. Well, it's actually about 2009. I think the last major predictions that I made for my newsletter is the, uh, uh, as the newsletter, you know, I just kind of let it go after 17 years of doing it. Uh, but the last set of predictions I made had to do with uh, predicting Barack Obama would not only be elected, but that also uh, uh, my last prediction, I wrote this about 30 days before it happened, was that because Obama's not a citizen and uh, he's born in Kenya, which is, <laughs> I don't care what anybody says, it's a fact. Uh, that the that they were not going to let him take the oath of office. Now he now he can be he can be the president of the corporation, which is all the papers that he signs later, because the corporation or the federal enterprise has no requirements, no citizenship requirements to be head of the of the federal corporation. But he can't he could not take the Article Sixth oath uh, when he when he was sworn in in two thousand nine. And I made this prediction to all these people who thought I was a complete idiot. And then, lo and behold, he gets up there and he screws up the oath 
doesn't say it the way it is in the Article 6. Roberts is the one that actually covers for him and doesn't say the correct oath. In his second inauguration, he took the correct oath because he managed to already stack the Supreme Court with all of his lackeys, uh, Sonia Sotomayor and and, um, (laughs) another girl that I swear is just a Bigfoot they caught and shaved or something and put her on the the Supreme Court, who was, was, by the way, his pro-counsel in the White House that was there uh, to um, Elena Kagan uh, was the pro-counsel in the White House that was specifically there to fend off birther challenges or anybody like Orly Tates and Donald Trump and all these people who were questioning his Lou Dobbs who were questioning his birth certificate and to make sure that a case didn't get the Supreme Court. So looking at the year of 2017, we have a lot of things going on. We have the inauguration of Donald Trump, the president-elect, in just 10 days from now, now nine if you're on the East Coast. And there's a lot of people still spewing a lot of venom over the results of that election, whether they love Trump because they loved Hillary or whether they uh, hated Trump because of Hillary, whatever the case may be. You know, what do you see happening leading up? Do you see that the country is finally going to settle down once he's inaugurated? Well, I... You know, I think it's settling down already. I think it's, uh, you know, you saw the the tantrum that the Democrats had when they were questioning uh, the electoral vote. And Joe Biden was sitting here going, you know, sorry, no debate. Sorry, no debate. And finally, he just said, uh, you know, he's, he just said, it's over. <laughs> you know, finally. Um, okay, let's talk about that. Um, this is, and and by the way, a year ago, I said, to everybody that Donald Trump was going to be president the day before the election when when he was anywhere the media was telling you he was six to ten points down in the polls uh, all the way back to 2000 all the way back to 2008 all the way back to you know let's let me talk about my well my inside information and what I know about about Hillary I've always always said anybody who's ever seen me ever anywhere I've said Hillary Clinton will never ever never never ever never never be president of the United States. She just won't. And I've said that for everybody that's ever seen me live, everybody that's ever seen me talk at the New Life Expo or Conscious Life Expo or whatever else. I just said she's not, it's just not going to happen. Now, this also goes back to 2008. And let's, and let's just go to 2008 real quickly and, and it kind of sets things up. In 2008, they had the meeting of the Illuminati Bilderberg gang in uh, Chantilly, Virginia. This was May May of 2008, everybody got together, and there was still the big debate because the Clintons were the original birthers. The Clintons were the ones that were running around screaming that uh, that when it was brought up, and this was George Soros again. Soros is the big player, and the the Bilderbergers are split between the Rothschilds on the one hand, who control the banking systems, who control the money, who control the Federal Reserve, uh, who control basically the twelve families that then divided up America in 1913 into the 12 federal regions and put their stamp on everything, if you will, because you'll notice that each, uh, uh, that each federal reserve region has a, has a different letter that's ascribed to it. So uh, one is A, B is 2, C is 3. I think one is Philadelphia, two is Boston, uh, uh, three is New York. Uh, but you'll, you'll see the numbers on the, on the dollar bills. And by the way, I just want people to notice that we used to have these uh, Federal Reserve banking numbers. There was this, a circle on the left-hand side that always had, like, for example, L, and it said Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco, which was, the, uh, which, which was then the, on all the notes. 
Well, they've done away with that. And they've done away with that because now the only the only money that's being issued that has any value that's actually legal that's directly connected to a Federal Reserve Bank is the $1 bill. So if everybody out there wants to get a $1 bill out and take a look at the $1 bill, you'll see that it still has the seal of an actual bank of the Federal Reserve Bank. But you will see every bill that's now being printed, the 5, the 10, the 20, the 50, the 100, now simply just has a stamp on it that says Federal Reserve Bank, which means that all of those are fiat. And I know this gets into a whole other thing, but for example, a $100 bill is now considered the value of one one-hundredth of a one. So the one is the only one that actually has any value anymore, and everything else is a, is a fractional value. That So if you're putting in a bond or doing whatever else, you actually have to attach a serial number of a $1 bill with the bond for, for it to actually then link to the account. But that's a, you know, that's a whole other thing. So the... Uh, so the challenge becomes that you had all these families just kind of split up the United States with the uh, uh, with what was going on with the uh, you know the banking deal, and um, and so now with uh, they all meet together in uh, in Chantilly, Virginia, as as I said in May of two thousand eight, and on the one hand you have the Rothschilds who are controlling all the banking. On the other hand, you have the Rockefellers, and if people understand the history of how the Rockefellers got their this kind of upstart American family, how they got their position at the table. Uh, just in brief, I'll, I'll just recommend a couple of things for, for people to take a look at. There's, sure. a fantastic, there's a fantastic book called Riley, Ace of Spies. And if they want to go on, uh, I think it's still on BBC America, you can actually get the DVD set. But if you want, it's Sam Neill's first starring role. And if you want a, a fantastic movie that's based on the real thing, it's Sam Neill playing Sidney Riley, who was basically the first super spy for England, who started uh, as special director at One, which was the very first uh, uh, spy group in England. Ian Fleming said, uh, well, James Bond's just some nonsense I made up. He's no Sidney Riley, unquote. So if you want to, it's a 10-episode series that you can get uh, a you know, DVD of. But Riley behind the scenes, this whole series takes you behind the scenes behind the Russian Revolution, behind how the Rockefellers and the British actually stepped up against the against the Rothschilds. The Rockefellers bet on oil, and the Rothschilds bet on coal and steam. And the Roth the Rockefellers actually won and made their fortune. Uh, and, and you can also point out that it was the Rockefellers that were behind the women's right to vote. The Rockefellers were the ones that were behind uh, Prohibition, because with Prohibition, it stopped farmers from actually turning uh, grains like corn and whatever else into grain alcohol and ethanol that they were running their tractors and their uh, every Henry Ford vehicle was a hybrid where you had a switch where you would go into town using uh, using your grain alcohol and you'd come back using Mr. Rockefeller's gasoline. And what put an end to that was prohibition. And that's why all the revenuers were going out to the farms because they were making fuel out of grain. And, and and that's what really cemented their their hold uh, over you know, over the financial aspect of it because they they bet on oil and won, and the Rothschilds bet on uh, on coal and steam and lost. And so that's how the Rockefellers have now stepped up to the plate. So you will notice that every single Secretary of State is a, has something to do with the Rockefellers. 
and you know our oil people and and look at this guy Tilson that's up that's up for it now. I mean Tilson is the ultimate oil guy because the Secretary of State is all about the production and transportation of oil from point A to point B. And if you don't make your oil and sell your oil using U.S. Federal Reserve notes or petrodollars, then your oil doesn't get to where it's going because this is really the first time in history since I would say the late 1600s and early 1700s or so. Uh, well, you can actually say a little bit before that because it was 15, it was 1588 was the Battle of the Spanish Armada as an example. But it's really the first time in history that one Navy controls all of the oceans of the world. And that's the U.S. Navy, that big commercial that has those, you know, those red dots that, that shows, you know, the Navy of, you know, a Navy of one and how they control the world and the red, the big, you know, the giant red dots where the Navy ships are all under it and all that. Um, but the U.S. Navy guarantees you <coughs> that your oil gets from point A to point B. And if you're not, and if you're trading in an oil bourse and dinar or something else, well, you know, your oil's not going to get to where it goes. So it's interesting to see Tillerson, who's head of ExxonMobil, now becoming Secretary of State. So they're just, in essence, they're, you know, they're they're not even <laughs> they're not even uh, putting a, a facade on this at all. That uh, the Secretary of State is all about, you know, how oil gets from place to place. So, okay, so the Bilderberger, so Hillary, I'm I'm sorry, I'm, I'm making this story longer than it needs to be. So Hillary and Obama are at the Bilderberg meeting, and it's pretty much well divided. The uh, you know half the room is Rothschild, the other half of the room is Rockefeller. There's a steering committee of 15 men that go from one at the lower level to 15. And these are the guys that basically take recommendations from all these trillionaires and everybody else and then decide global policy. And uh, uh, these people, the, the directors of the Bilderbergers are people that have been removed from history. Their deaths have been faked. Their, you know, all their records are gone. So 15 would be the highest aspect of, of the guy that would be you know, the CEO of planet Earth as an example. And so the big argument was is that the Clintons jumped up and down and said, uh, look, this, this Barack Obama guy, he's not even an American. He's born in Kenya. He tells the story about, oh, I was just a little black child born in Kenya. And, you know, look at me now. I'm a senator, et cetera, et cetera. You can't make this guy president. And George Soros was the one that was there with a certain sinister silkiness going, well, you know, the media will do anything we want it to do. It's very easy. We'll, we'll just pull the wool over everybody's eyes. And they basically told Hillary that, Hillary, it's, it's not your time. And uh, there was a joke that was told that uh, was about dog food and that uh, this company was trying to sell dog food and they, they had Super Bowl commercials and they spent millions on coupons and, and it just wasn't selling. So the CEO gets everybody together in the same room and he says, why, what is going on? Why is it that we can't sell this stuff? And Scruffy, the janitor, raises his hand and the CEO calls on him and the, and the janitor goes, because the dogs don't like it. And that was a joke that was told to Hillary saying, the dogs just don't like you. You're too mean. You're too unlikable. You have too many skeletons in your closet. You've just murdered too many people. And so what they said to her is they said, look, we're going with Obama. First off, because he's black, we'll be able to, or mulatto anyway, we'll be able to diffuse any criticism of, of him using the racist card. That's number one. And number two, we will guarantee the future of your daughter, Hillary, because first we're going to run her for Congress. This is back in 2008. We'll run her for Congress. Then she'll then she'll run for Senate. Of course, you know they didn't realize that that Chelsea is. I'm sorry, their daughter Chelsea. That Chelsea's really an airhead. Uh, but uh, anyway, so they guaranteed her. They they guaranteed her the uh, uh, possibly the presidency someday if she if she turned out a little bit different. 
And uh, which is another weird thing, too, because Chelsea is very, very clearly the daughter of Webster Hubble, not Bill Clinton. And that goes back to, you know, the whole thing with Rose Law Firm and and, uh, Hillary's abortions and the fact that she only had a child to make it look good politically so she could play the whole mother and grandmother card and, you know, all that stuff. So the uh, uh, so they picked Barack Obama at that time. Now, now Hillary at the convention was the one that actually nominated Obama at the convention. She's the one that that stopped the voting. And uh, and said, well, it's going to be Obama, and because she would have won in 2008. So I think it's very interesting now that she's been, I don't know, you could say betrayed for the first time. Uh, Bill Clinton and Hillary really have a target on them. And, uh, and I, I talked the day before the election. I had a big tirade on my Strange Universe radio program where I was saying that not only was, not only was Donald Trump going to win as I predicted, and I continued to say that if in the polls, Trump is within six six to two points, anywhere in that range, that is what you have to spot a conservative candidate simply because of the of the bias of of the Democratic Party and the bias of the media. I mean, you know, it's 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 absurd to think that the Russians somehow rigged an election uh, against somebody that everybody thought was going to win, which is completely not in their self-interest, number one, but then calling Russia today, a, uh, a fake news site and all of this stuff. When, when in essence you had the people altering the election and presenting false information to the, uh, to the public, uh, the principal media as Meryl Streep just called them in, in this just outrageous speech when she was getting the Cecil B. DeMille award. And let me remind Meryl Streep, Meryl, it's an acting award. It's not the freaking Nobel Peace Prize, okay? People tell you what to say. People tell you where to stand. And people tell you when to make a face. That's, that's acting. You're, you're not Gandhi. So, you know, the fact that she's standing up there and says that the principal media must hold Donald Trump to account is just so blatantly absurd because the fake news media is MSNBC, which stands for mostly saying nothing but crap, NBC, which is nothing but crap, uh, which is perfect that me guy and Kelly and her Pleiadian princess outfits are going over, going over there instead of Fox, uh, you know, CBS, ABC, uh, you know, it just goes on and on and on. And they're all controlled by the same six guys who control 25,000 forms of media in the United States. And it's all run by the military industrial complex. I mean, you know, NBC for years was owned by general electric, which owns general atomics, which is one of the biggest, biggest, uh, uh defense contractors uh, going on out there. So it's interesting to see now what I said was before Trump was elected was this is ex- this is kind of exactly what they want because Hillary would have been the worst candidate for these insider guys because she's like Jacob Marley and, and there's so many you know these are the chains I formed in life Ebenezer there's so much crap leading to her that the minute she would have gotten in, the impeachment stuff would have started, and it would have then led to everything from child molestation to you know white slavery to uh, Clinton Foundation bribes to find to find that. And now I know you know why the FBI didn't want to expose everything because if they did, the minute you get into the Clinton Foundation, now you're not just talking about Republicans, but you're talking about or Democrats. You're talking about Republicans. You're talking about really the FBI taking on and draining the entire swamp in Washington because everybody is, is interconnected with this massive money laundering operation uh, called the Clinton foundation. So again, the only thing that has kept her safe for all these years 
is her power as a senator, her power as Secretary of State, and her running for President of the, of the United States. Now that she's been put on the outside of that, now there's big targets on Hillary and Bill. I, I'm not so sure. I, I'm convinced that, uh, here's a prediction for you, I think within a year, uh, Bill Clinton will die. I think that he's uh, he may have AIDS. He has terrible heart problems. He has four four quadruple bypass surgeries, and his heart just can't take the fact that he's been a cocaine addict his entire life. Hillary's deal is alcohol. So uh, with what's going on with her, with the seizures, with whatever else, I'm not sure she'll live out maybe 24 months. So it's just very weird to see them all on the outside. All right, so with here's the minefields that are being set up right now for Donald Trump. So here's some predictions for you. Yes, sir. Remember, we only have about a minute and a half left before we got to go to break here. Okay. All right. Well, we should probably, we should probably wait until after the break. Yeah. You finished that story way too quick, my friend, way too quick. What's with you oh, like that? Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just saying that the worm is now turned that the, uh, yes. that the whole the whole thing with Bill and Hillary now is that, and, but this is, but here's why. What's happening is, is that the media has been given so much rope and the mainstream liars that, uh, David, this is, a, this is a huge victory for people like us. I mean, this, we're, we've been the guys on the rooftops, you know, with, with, with no pants and our hairs on fire, you know, screaming about, uh, about the truth. Look, it's a whole new world when the president of the United States actually has Alex Jones on speed dial. I mean, think about that reality. Think about Alex Jones. Oh, here's what happened today. Oh, the FEMA camps. Oh, oh people. I am not a, I'm not an Alex Jones fan whatsoever. I'm, I'm, I'm not either, but, uh, you know, at least, you know, Alex is a form, of, a form of alternative media and people like people like you and I, all these years of pounding away at this, and suddenly we have a president, a, 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 a president-elect of the United States that's not only on our side, but he took on the Obama birth certificate issue. He took on the immigration issue. He took on the vaccination issue. He took on, I mean, every single one of these things he's questioned in the press. Right. And on that note, we are going to hop out for our first break. Sean David Morton, we got him for two more hours right here on Spaced Out Radio. More predictions. I know. Coming up next on SOR. Would you like to become one of our space travelers? All you have to do is click on the space travelers icon at spacedoutradio.com. For only $5 a month, you can get access to some great prizes, as well as private monthly shows, newsletters, and a members-only section on our website. Become a space traveler today. Looking for news beyond the mainstream news? Head to spacedoutradio.com and check out the SOR Spacewire. This is Spaced Out Radio's Eric Markham, news director for the SOR Spacewire. Daily, I will bring you intriguing stories and outlandish reports from what's going on around the world. UFO sightings, paranormal activity, conspiracies, alternative health, and so much more. And if you have news, email me at news at spaceoutradio.com. Have you had an experience you can't explain? Had a run-in with ghosts, maybe Bigfoot, or seen lights in the sky? Hi, I'm Mike Schmidt from the SOR Sight Lines. I'm here to investigate your sighting. Head to spacedoutradio.com and fill out a report on the sight lines. All your information is 100% confidential, and I will help you figure out what you've been seeing. File your report, and let's find out the answers together. Visit purpleplates.com today. 
For over 40 years, the Purple Energy Plates have been delivering amazing results for their many customers. Inspired by the great genius Nikola Tesla, the harmony, healing, and energetic effects of the plates have proven over and over to be beneficial and often miraculous to thousands of customers. With their money-back guarantee and the many benefits, how can you afford not to get one? Check their site for daily specials and choose from their many energy products. You won't be sorry. Visit them today at purpleplates.com for mind, body, and spirit, and expect a miracle. Greetings, space travelers. I am Dave Cruz, host of Beyond the Strange Radio, live every Sunday evening, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 10 p.m. Eastern. Each week, we have special guests and talk about paranormal, bizarre, and strange topics mainstream just won't touch. Look for us on the Spaced Out Radio website or go to beyondthestrange.com for more information. And remember, don't be a stranger, just be strange. Asta. Are you interested in advertising on Spaced Out Radio? Head to our website at spacedoutradio.com and click on our advertising tab. There, you will find an assortment of ways you can get your product out there with us, from radio commercials to banners and social media. Have a product you like our hosts to endorse? We can do that too. Visit spacedoutradio.com for more details. Hi there. This is your medium, Joanna, from Spaced Out Weekend, Two Mediums and a Large. I would love it if you would come and join us with host James Tyson every other Sunday on Spaced Out Weekend. Together, we will take your calls and your questions live. Our goal is to provide you with a positive outlook on deep questions that you may have. Questions regarding love, relationships, money, or whatever else is on your mind. Come and check us out at spacedoutradio.com. The sounds of wood knocking in the forest. Odd happenings right out of a fictional world. These are the reports I love. Hi there, this is author Ronald Murphy. And I would love it if you join me and Spaced Out Radio host Dave Scott the second Wednesday of every month on our journey into the unknown land of cryptozoology at spacedoutradio.com. From Mothman to Frogman and everything in between. Hey, they don't call me the crypto guru for nothing. From British Columbia to Northern California, Pacific North Weird has Cascadia covered. Check out our feature videos at spacedoutradio.com where I, Vincent Zunza, and my super sleuth partner Alexandra Sullivan track down the weird and strange stories from around the Pacific Northwest. From Bigfoot to Mel's Hole and everything in between. This is what makes life exciting. So why report the normal when we can report the Pacific North Weird? Right here at spacedoutradio.com. Oh, there's only one way to rock. Loud and proud. In high definition. Radio 702 Rocks. Las Vegas. Every Saturday and Sunday night. As Dave Scott wanders aimlessly in the wilderness, you can come hang out with me, James Tyson, and Spaced Out Weekend. Starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern, I'll take you along as we talk with some of the best experts in their fields. SpacedOutRadio.com is the place to find us. So sit down, relax, put your feet up, enjoy the topics like the paranormal, supernatural, intuitiveness, and so much more. 
Hope to see you there. The views and opinions expressed by tonight's guest and topic of discussion do not necessarily represent the official policy or position of Spaced Out Radio. Spaced Out Weekend, Spaced Out Radio Limited, its hosts, syndicated carriers, or anyone associated with this broadcast. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. And hit us up on Twitter using the hashtag SpacedOutRadio. Now, back to Dave Scott and SOR. Welcome back for hour number two of Spaced Out Radio tonight. I am your host, Dave Scott. Good to have you with us. Tomorrow night on the show, 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern time, the Crypto Guru is back. Yes, Ronald Murphy, the Crypto Guru, will talk about cryptids for 2017. We're going to get into it large and in charge tomorrow night, 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern time, right here at spacedoutradio.com. We want to welcome in everyone listening in on Revolution Radio. The Double R Machine is a donation station financed by you, the valued listener. Head on over to freedomslips.com and donate today. We want to thank everyone listening in Sin City, yes, in Las Vegas, Renegade talk radio our newest affiliate and of course if you're listening in on the united public radio network live on 107.7 fm in new orleans we're good to have you along for the ride as well so bill cardwell has set the password for tonight the sor space travelers club tripano sodomite tripano sodomite is your password make sure you use it correctly if you are a space traveler hey if you want to follow us on social media you can do so on twitter at spaced out radio give our facebook page a like spaced out radio show on instagram i can be followed at dave scott sor subscribe to our youtube channel spaced out radio show tune us in on tune in download this show and others on itunes and our website is spacedoutradio.com. While there, we have a plethora of features for you, including joining the SOR Space Travelers Club. It is only 5 bucks a month. We are talking with Sean David Morton tonight on the Mighty SOR. It's his second time on this show. We're looking ahead at 2017. Sean, welcome back. Thank you, sir. Hey, I don't want to spend too much more time on politics, but i got a question to ask you. We're getting a lot of people asking, do you think Donald Trump will be impeached within his first year? No, that's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's just it's stupid. He's got a Republican Senate. He's got a Republican House. Why would they impeach him? What would they, what would they impeach him over? It's the Democrats have no power. So... Um, uh, no, that's just, that's, if somebody's made that prediction, that's nonsensical. Uh, I think also he's not, uh, he doesn't have, uh, he doesn't have assassination in his chart anywhere. Although people have been talking about that and he's bringing in his own private security. And I think that's another reason why he, uh, the woman who, uh, it's just late. I'm not good with the names, but it's, uh, the woman he just made the secretary of education, Edos, I think it is. Uh, her brother is uh, Eric Prince. He's the guy who's the head of Blackwater. Blackwater, which then became XIXE, I think, which then, well, which then became Acad- uh, Academi. So he's a super badass mercenary guy. So, you know, I, I think uh, Trump is surrounding himself with his own security. He's not going to trust it to, he's not going to trust it to the Treasury. The uh, Well, the Secret Service guys, it's very interesting because Secret Service, who protect all the political candidates? They're they're all uh, they all work for the Treasury. Although now they're claiming that Secret Service is now under 
is now under uh, uh, Department of Human Sacrifice, DHS, or Homeland Security, uh, the Gestapo. Uh, so, you know, if I was messing with the banks and the Federal Reserve and whatever else, I certainly wouldn't want to be guarded by them. But, okay, so the question is no. He's not going to be impeached, and that's ridiculous. So uh, the impeachment, and by the way, even if the Congress was to impeach him, which won't happen, uh, he'd have to get convicted by the Senate. And that's, you know, another reason why Bill Clinton, who was impeached by the Congress, uh, they had a Democratic majority in the in the Senate, so he was never uh, – the Senate was never going to actually pull the trigger to actually enforce the criminal charges. So uh, the only – you know, Clinton's been impeached. Clinton was impeached and never convicted by the Senate. Uh, Andrew Johnson was impeached and never convicted by the Senate and just served out his term. And Richard Nixon was never impeached. Richard Nixon resigned for the good of the country. So theoretically, hypothetically, uh, we've never had a president fully impeached and or jailed for high crimes and misdemeanors or for whatever else. I also believe that the uh, uh, Obama is going to do probably in the next few days, he'll pull some outrageous stuff like pardoning Bill and Hillary for you know various, various crimes, although there's no love lost between those guys. He did work for them. So uh, offering a blanket pardon for, uh, uh, you know, for all crimes for Hillary, that's not going to stop prosecutions from the states uh, because people people need to know that the primary mover of what was going on with the uh, with the Anthony Weiner emails was not even the feds it was the uh, it was the NYPD and the NYPD was telling the FBI that if you don't do something about this and take another look at this then we will because the NYPD came in when when Weiner uh, was not only sexting, if you will, a 15-year-old girl in North Carolina, but also had his child, I think, naked on the bed next to him, which was pretty disgusting. And um, when they cracked Wiener's emails, the 650,000 emails were on, a, were on a, his laptop computer, which he had copied from his wife and put in a file called Life Insurance, uh, just to make sure that uh, he and uh, Huma didn't, didn't wind up dead. Uh, for their 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 friendship with Hillary Clinton, so uh, all this stuff, these guys are being rounded up. I mean, there are there's another reason why Trump is actually picking these major military guys as, as parts of his uh, administration because they're going after these guys. And look, if he's for real, if Trump's for real, then the first warrant that he issues is going to be for George Soros. George Soros is a war criminal. George Soros is a is a Nazi collaborator who's admitted to collaborating with the Nazis to, uh, uh, to help send his fellow Jews off to the concentration camps. And, uh, and that's if he's serious. However, uh, Soros and Trump have been business partners before. Uh, Trump, uh, actually Soros, loaned Trump a huge amount of money in what was called a uh, mezzanine loan to finance his tower, his uh, Trump Tower in Chicago. So, so they're in bed with each other. Uh, Trump had made contributions to the Clinton Foundation because Hillary was a senator and he wanted stuff done and he knew that the way to the way to get Hillary to do stuff was to buy her. So I, I'm not sure that Trump is going to be too keen on uh, on going after Bill and Hillary and also if if or should I say when Obama actually issues these blanket pardons for her then that will get her out of any federal crimes but still it will be the states that she would have to get pardons from, I don't know, the 40 states that she's committed crimes in. So uh, Bill and Hillary, hopefully, number one, are going to go away. And number two, the no, it's, that's just absurd. That, no, Donald Trump is not going to be impeached. Next question. Next question. This one comes from Bob. 
why are some people prone to get struck by lightning? Some people have been hit half a dozen times and they still live. I have no idea. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I don't really? know. Really? I, That's the best you can do? Come on. You uh, out. Yeah, I should have. Some people just have more magnetic personalities, I guess. I, uh, my friend my friend Daniel Brinkley has been struck by lightning four times and apparently gone to heaven a couple of times as well. So I don't know. Maybe you just should be outside with a golf club in your hand or something. Yeah. No umbrellas in the middle of a storm. I, I, yeah. All right. Captain K, uh, Randy Kramer, was on this show a number of months back, probably two months back, and he was saying that he believes that that there is some sort of fleet in negotiations with extraterrestrial presences up above, especially on Mars. Do you believe that we are going to be seeing a lot more contact in 2017 as we move closer to disclosure? Well, I... (laughs) Everybody talks about disclosure. I don't think there's ever going to be disclosure. The bottom line is that the government has painted themselves with red paint into a corner over all these years by lying about Roswell, lying about ETs. The disclosure has been very – the disclosure has been, okay, the Condon report going back to the 50s where uh, they say they said specifically in this report that UFOs are not dangerous but that people who see UFOs are dangerous. The Condon report also said that people that report UFO sightings should be horsewhipped. So to go from that – to UFOs are a joke, UFOs don't exist, it's just all a bunch of little green men, to then go to what I guess would be an admission, an admission was uh, we, can either, we can neither confirm nor deny is basically what it is now. And theoretically, you could say that there's no such thing as UFOs simply because we know what everything is now. Everything is IFO. Everything is identified flying objects. We know who comes out of where. And what does what? We've, we've tracked and actually marked. Uh, and it's not so much stuff coming in from deep space. It's interdimensional stuff that we're worried about. It's the fact that they can actually you know, open holes in time space. And that was the, uh, the invasion that they were talking about originally was, uh, was due to massive holes in the space-time continuum that were actually opened by the Nazi bell uh, you know, back back in the '30s, with uh, with Hans Kammler, uh, Uben Grubenfuhrer, Hans Kammler, uh, ripping open holes in the in the time space continuum with the Nazi Bell, and then us doing so with the USS Eldridge and the Philadelphia experiment, where we put a bunch of guys on a ship uh, that then shot to August of 2003, snapped back against uh, against its tether, if you will, blacked out the entire East Coast, and then snapped back to where it was supposed to be back in 1943. And I wrote an article months before that saying that if, if, if all of this is true and all the stuff that I've learned from Al Bielik and Preston Nichols and Duncan Cameron and all that stuff, if everything they're saying is true, then you've got to look at August you know, 13, 14, 15, that period of time uh, for the USS Eldridge appearing and, and a, a massive electromagnetic pulse or overload, which should probably black out, the, black out the East Coast. And that happened. And I put that in print in February of 2003, back in a Delphi Associates newsletter that was all about the Philadelphia experiment. But um, we've been in the process of closing these holes, these, uh, uh, these interdimensional doorways. Now, there, that doesn't mean that there's not something very big and very nasty on its way. I sent you, uh, I read this today on my Strange Universe radio program, uh, also on revolutionradio.co and freedomslips.com. Uh, we don't own .com, by the way. Revolution Radio, people say .com. 
We don't own .com because the M stands for money, and we couldn't afford to actually buy it for the twenty five hundred bucks when it was available. So that's why we're doing mostly freedomslips.com. But the uh, uh, you know, I read an entire article about Gary McKinnon and uh, and what they call Project Solar Warden and how back in uh, uh, well, Gary McKinnon used. It's kind of the same thing that they're accusing Trump of. Gary McKinnon used Ukrainian software and then some basically just human psychology uh, to be able to backdoor his way into a couple of military computers where he discovered this vast military industrial complex for all intents and purposes, Star Trek and a Star Fleet operating in space. And everything I wrote in my book, The Isomer Protocol, available at strangeuniverseradio.com or Amazon. If you come to Strange Universe Radio, we don't have to pay Amazon all the money in. And uh, we can save you some money on shipping because I can then ship it to you for, for three cents anywhere you are in the world. But the uh, but my book, Isomer Protocol, uh, takes place about six to eight years after uh, books one and two of, of Sands of Time that talk about our space fleet, that talk about the USS, our, you know, our three, well, as of about 2004, as I said, we had the USS... Uh, we had the USS John Glenn, we had the USS Alan Shepard, and the, the Big Mother, which is the star cruiser that's about 1,600 feet across, was the, uh, or is, the USS Gus Grissom. And uh, with that, we then have a number of, uh, we started out with the TR-3B Astra. TR stands for uh, Terrestrial Reconnaissance, which was then the next step in the SR program, which stands for Surveillance and Reconnaissance, because we had the SR-71, the SR-72, 73, 74, then we had the TR-3B Astra, and now we're up to the TR, the, the TR-8A. So now we're at the, uh, you know, so we're quite a ways beyond stuff uh, that's way back there. Now, uh, I, in my newsletter, again, my Delphi Associates newsletter, I ran an entire article and started blowing the whistle for this kid, Gary McKinnon, uh, way back in the 97, 98 or so, where he started talking about the, uh, you know, our space fleet under something called Project Solar Warden. Uh, now, uh, Captain K, you know they talk about they talk a lot of stuff about stuff on Mars. I'm I am not so sure about that. I know we have a base at the we have a base at the uh, the northern pole of the moon called Cape Malabar Radio. Uh, probably get killed for him telling you that. Uh, that actually then operates on a whole uh, laser uh, laser communication system. That's just that actually is an out. It, it, it's a, it's an outgrowth of the the medical channels that we used on Apollo but that's you know that's, that's a whole other thing but uh, you know all I can tell you is that we used uh German and a combination of German and alien technology to land on the moon with the National Security Agency in January of 1953 and the reason that the that the meetings with the tall whites or the Ethereans as we called them happened with Eisenhower and this was not some big friendly meeting this was not just Oh, hello, we come in peace, uh, 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 you know, bring us to your leader. No, they shot down a couple of our planes and showed up at Murdoch Air Force Base and said, we want to see Eisenhower now, get him to me, get him to us now or we're going to start blowing stuff up. And they, in essence, said, we don't want you on the moon. We don't want you moving off this planet. You are a virus. You are a disease. Your very language is considered a cancer in some part of the, some part of the galaxy. You now have too much technology to get you out there to infect the rest of your solar system, and that's not going to happen. Well, we started doing it anyway. What happened was is that we, you know, we went to the moon. We, we started building Cap Malabar Radio. We have dry dock facilities on the on the dark side of the moon. Uh, I'm not so sure we've, we're at Mars. We 
we made the mistake. My book, Icemer Protocol, is all about the fact that there was an Altarian ship that was trying to stop a uh, a, a, a gray Zeta Reticulous, Zeta Reticulous slaver craft, you know, actually coming to Earth and abducting people and taking them off and selling them for genetic reasons and body parts and whatever else. And uh, an Altarian ship crashed on Mars, and we went and got it and uh brought it home and we brought back one of these one of these basically it was a rescue sonde and we cracked open one of these spheres and a distress call went out to everywhere in the universe and then the altarians showed up and started realizing that we were breaking the uh isomer protocol stands for the isolation memorandum which was we were dealing with so many really scummy uh reptilian and gray and you know all kinds of really dark dirty nasty creatures that uh, we finally, they just said, fine, we're going to sign the isolation protocol and the Andromedan Council, which consists of a whole bunch of different races. But they were the ones that basically put the uh, uh, put the big fence up around Earth again so that we could get out. We were allowed unmanned uh, ex- exploration of, of, the, uh, of the solar system, but manned exploration came to a halt until, as I said, about 2006 when we punched the Altarians in the eye and uh, blew up a bunch of their fleet and basically then developed... Uh, man portable time travel which allowed us to do all kinds of crazy things but that's a anyway that's what my book Isomer Protocol is about that's my Sands of Time book is about it's it's the journals of uh, a man who was a very high level director of the group and uh, he gave me these things before he moved on a bunch of scary lawyers handed me a bunch of journals which I then novelized and, and put into these books so they are the ultimate the ultimate disclosure documents uh, for which I've been hassled, for which I've been—I uh, I can't even tell you the uh, uh, the attacks that have uh, that have occurred on me by the federal government. And uh, well, I'm also the guy that put Area 51 on the front page of the newspaper and forced them to, you know, move a billion dollar base to Utah, which didn't make them happy either. So I've been punching these guys in the nose for a long time. So I just want anybody to know that that you know any negative stuff that comes out about me or what I do or whatever on the internet, you know, just know that, uh, you know, I'm as popular as, I don't know, Hitler with these guys. Uh, although Hitler's probably pretty popular considering that they can, they transported the entire Nazi military industrial complex to the United States. So I'm not sure if that answers your question or not, but, uh, uh, again, Mr. K, Captain K, I, I, you know, I, I'll listen to everybody's stories out there, but, uh, I just want to see some proof. I want to see some evidence. I want to see something, uh, you know, something going on and, uh, at, outside of just wild stories. I do not think we have a colony on Mars. I do think that there are, uh, other beings out there that would have stopped that. And, um, I think the proof of this was when the Russians actually sent up the Phobos probes, uh, to actually research, uh, Phobos and Demnos, which are the, uh, the two moons of Mars, uh, which are both artificial by the way. And, uh, we had the uh oh gosh the um the fastest woman alive she was a russian um a russian cosmonaut we sponsored marina popovich we sponsored her coming to the united states and we sponsored a bunch of salons up in uh you know sort of meetings up in malibu and she brought all kinds of photos from the uh from the phobos probe uh of a 16 mile across uh octagonal shaped mothership that was loading at the mouth of the phobos uh base and uh, Phobos was then, and then the, the the ship actually turned towards the probe, and the front of it opened up and actually ate the Phobos probe, and she had an entire stack of photos of that happening. So it hasn't been uh, our probes and various things that have been sent to Mars have, have not been 
have not been perceived in a very friendly manner. Let's put it that way. We're going to jump over to a different question here from Eric in the Space Out Radio chat room on Spreaker. He is asking, when it comes to the Nazi bell and the Philadelphia experiment, could this be what caused the Mandela effect to happen? If you read my book, Isomer Protocol, I can tell you exactly what's happening with it. It's it's not exactly that. I, there have been certain time shifts. But uh, I'm working on book four of Sands of Time. And uh, what's been happening is is that I, – I, I, <laughs> let's just put it this way, that Dr. Ted Humphrey – Again, I'm not sure he's dead. I, I, you know, I, 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 the last I heard from him, he calls me. I, I, I'm watching the inauguration uh, in 2009, and I hear on the TV somebody like laughing in the background when Obama's goofing up the oath. And my phone rings, and it's Ted Humphrey, and he's up in the upper corner of the, of the Capitol, up on the steps right by the dome, and he's laughing his head off about, about I, can't, I owe you 100 bucks. I cannot believe that I'm sitting here watching this uh, – uh, well, he, he called them a bunch of names, but, uh, you know, Obama, uh, you know, screw up the oath. Exactly. Like you said, I said, told you, man. And he's, and he was laughing. I heard him on the TV laughing. And that's like the last I heard of him. Uh, and then I got this contact from these scary lawyers in century city that said, uh, Dr. Humphrey has quote moved on and he's left some things for you. And it turned out to be these journals that I turned into the book. So in book four, all I can tell you is that we discovered time travel and, Dr. Humphrey then launches into time to start fixing things. And the interesting thing with the Mandela effect is, is that, is that the uh, only people of a certain IQ seem to notice it, oddly enough. People with like 120, 125 IQ uh, seem to notice these various you know, alterations in, in what's happening. I mean, I can tell you a couple of interesting uh, – I mean, let me, let me tell you where the – I'll give you some specifics on where the timeline actually shifted and changed. Um. Uh, <laughs> I know this sounds weird, but uh, up until a certain point in, I think it was like 1982 or 83, I grew up with the sign in Hollywood reading Hollywood Land, and it was always Hollywood Land. And then something shifted in the time stream where we walked out of this guy's house, and it was, and now the land part of the sign had been destroyed by a, 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 a landslide or something like years before. And suddenly we're in a different reality where the sign no longer read Hollywood land and just read Hollywood. And um, let, me, let, let me give you the, 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 the specific aspect of this. I was working with a, a UFO contactee, one of the grandfathers of the UFO movement named Hal Wilcox. And uh, Hal had appeared on the Jack Parr show. He appeared with Steve Allen on the original Tonight Show. He was a big celebrity in the 1960s because he was not only in contact with this ET named Commander Fage, but that he actually had been to their planet and came back with photos and rock samples and all kinds of geological proof that he'd actually been to this place. And um, so we were working with Hal on the psychic levels in the early 1980s, we would get together at his house and we would form a ring and we would do a very specific uh, meditation, which turned out to be the same meditation that I eventually learned at, uh, at Tang Bache, the Black Hat Monastery in, in Nepal, which I thought was really weird. Uh, but we'd do this meditation. And during the meditation, one of the people in the group would pop and uh, begin channeling, if you will, this Commander Fage. And Fage would come through and say, look, I'm not dead. I'm not some spirit. I'm in a, I'm in a spaceship uh, hovering above your location, and I've just tuned into your particular frequency on his radio, if you will. And he would give us things to do. And I'll, I'll give you the brief version of the story because I've told the story before a, a few times. 
But uh, Commander Faj told us to go out and look for the books of somebody by the name of Rajneesh Gurdjieff. Well, I'd never heard of this guy, Gurdjieff, before, ever. So month goes by. I go, I look everywhere. I look at the Bodhi tree. I go to Needham Book Finders. You know, this is way before the Internet. So you had to actually do the legwork and go to all different places. So I'm on my way. We used to meet on Monday nights once a month. I'm on my way back to Hal's house with the group, and I walk into the Bodhi tree, and I talk to this girl, Julie, that I've been friendly with and sort of flirting with. She'd never seen me before. And I said, do you have any of these books by Gurdjieff that I've been ordering? And she points, and there's a whole rack of them. I mean, an entire case, a glass case of Gurdjieff books. And I said, oh, so uh, you got those in? And she goes, those have been here since this store opened 15 years ago. And I said, well, I wrote, wrote a card. And she went to check, and the card wasn't there. She'd never seen me before. And I go back to the group, and it's and the same thing had happened to everyone in that particular group that suddenly the books had just appeared. So we do our meditation and, you know, all very scary stuff because we know that how's the real thing and that at any time, I don't know, a, you know, a UFO could like land at his house or something. But then Commander Fodge then comes through through this girl Bernadette who then said, because we, because we gave you a mission, because you did what, as you were told, because you were dedicated to it, that gave us the chance to, to go back in time. And what we did is that we made sure an American journalist on a train platform took simply one more step where he caught a train that he was going to miss. And when he caught the train, he was then able to attend a lecture by Rajneesh Gurdjieff, and he was the one that then set up a publishing deal and then brought Gurdjieff to the United States. And so in a very interesting, subtle way, not really changing anything, but the spiritual impressions of mankind, you have a, a fascinating shift in the timeline. Now, I asked, has there been times when you've done this before? And this was, the, this was the interesting story to me. This is one of the most interesting stories I've ever heard in the whole UFO realm. Because then they, they said, there was a time when your planet was a prison. And that it was the Orwellian vision of a boot stamping in a human face for a thousand years. And the entire planet was controlled by the Spanish, was controlled by the, by the, uh, the Chinese, uh, and the, you know, the Germans and the Russians. And basically the entire planet had become one, one nonstop totalitarian prison and then hit the 20th century where that totalitarianism is then backed up with technology and there was no hope for Earth to evolve. And they explained to us that Earth was part of 48 evolving worlds and that help had to be given because this entire quadrant of the galaxy uh, or the universe really uh, can't evolve unless we on Earth move forward so they were allowed to go back in time and look this just this just fascinated me because if you really look at the entire time stream they went back in time and they they altered the battle of the spanish armada with queen elizabeth the first in uh yeah elizabeth elizabeth england which was uh 1588 1588 or yeah it's 15 i hope i'm right no it's 1688 no, that's too late. 1492. Uh, yeah, 1588. So, um, and what happened was is that the, the English beating the Spanish would be like the Mexican Navy beating the U.S. Navy in the Gulf of Mexico. And what they did is that they, they stationed a ship that put one gust of wind into an English frigate that allowed it to T-bar on a Spanish man of war and sink the ship and alter the course of that, the English winning that single battle then led to the English colonizing the United States 
and Canada and Australia and various islands, and it broke the chains of Catholicism of the uh, you know of the of, of the Spanish Empire uh, it, because if the Spanish if what had happened in South America with the Spanish colonizing there had happened in North America, then uh, you know the world would have been doomed as we know it. And from that point forward, we now have the freedom of thought, the freedom of religion, the freedom of speech. That everything that evolved from that one battle of the Spanish losing the the uh, uh, the, uh, the battle of the Spanish Armada has now evolved to where we're at today. And when we went out of that room, all kinds of things were different. They also said they said, look, you can. You can use, because we use 12 people with six men and six women that they call a shell force battery, and that you can change time and you can do amazing things. And if you're dedicated and if you do as you're asked and if you, and, and, and if you shoulder on with the missions that we've given you, you may just walk out of this room and the entire world will be at peace and there'll be travel and trade to other planets and the universe will be open to you and it will have always been that way. And you would be the only people that would know any different. And the only other thing I can tell you, and then we'll launch into the into the, into the prediction stuff. Uh, Gordon Scallion, Gordon Michael Scallion was like, as I said, the Mac Daddy of earthquake predictors, and it was pretty dire. I mean, based on Scallion's predictions, uh, yes, I based on Scallion. Okay, I based said on anything. no, I'm, I'm sorry, you took a breath or something. I thought you were breaking in. Uh, Gordon Scallion's predictions. Gordon Scallion's predictions forced. Shirley MacLaine sold all of her property in uh, Malibu and moved to New Mexico. Uh, Elizabeth Claire Prophet, I went to daughter with, I went to school with her daughter Erin. Uh, she packed all of her stuff, sold 600 acres in Malibu and moved to uh, uh, the Grand Tetons, I guess Montana, Wyoming. And uh, you know, so all these people were actually moving out of California, talking about how in 1988 to 92 and all these things that that, that, you, that we would be destroyed. And um, and I thought so too, because I was working with a group of people that, that again, we were looking at these massive quakes and all kinds of bad things. And we were on what I call the Edgar Casey timeline. And the Edgar Casey timeline was that California was going to sink in the ocean, that beachfront property in Arizona, that, uh, that Colorado would be a port, that the, uh, uh, the Mississippi river would be a hundred miles wide and the, and the great lakes would, uh, would empty into an inland sea, if you will. And by the way, we're still on the timeline for that. And I'll, I'll talk about how they're trying to shift it as well. Uh, but we're on that timeline. And Scallion was was hitting it dead on. I mean, he was like 10 for 10. And this is where it shifted. The, the, the crazy part about this is, is, that, is that I'm making all these predictions of quakes and my team is making them and we're all over the news and whatever else because it was, it was dire. I mean, there were, there were things that were about to happen that were just really dark. And we were on that timeline. And... Um, so what happens was is the Landers earthquake. It was June twenty seventh of nineteen ninety two. It was the uh, yeah, it was the Landers earthquake, and the Landers earthquake hits. My house in Hermosa Beach was right one house back from the Strand, and myself and my neighbors could actually run out, and you can see everything. You can see the entire Queen's Necklace, the entire Santa Monica Bay, all the way up to Palos Verdes, and then all the way up the other side to Point Doom, past Malibu, and whatever else. So you get this amazing grand view. When the earthquake hit, there was a, a low cloud cover uh, over uh, a, a low hanging cloud cover over the uh, over the entire bay. And while the houses are rocking back and forth and <laughs> punching naked people out there, and you know everybody's running out of their houses, uh, this was the quake. And by the way, Scallion had predicted this quake that this would be the first big quake, and California actually moved five inches to the Pacific Southwest. The whole bottom part of the hinge 
actually was was actually moving outwards. And where Landers is, the epicenter of the quake, is right near something called the Integratron. And, and a guy named uh, George Van Tassel, who I met a couple of times when I was in college before he died, actually built this device based on a spaceman actually handing him a uh, handing him a prototype, and he built it with Howard Hughes's money as like a rejuvenation machine. But it's built right on top of these six fault lines in uh, Landers. Had the quake lasted another minute, it would have hit something called the Barstow Gap. And the Barstow Gap is, people don't know this, that Barstow sits on top of this where it only goes down like about three miles or so of crust. And then it goes a whole bunch of nothing under Barstow that goes down for like 150 miles. And had the quake hit Barstow and actually fractured Barstow, the whole city would have just disappeared. And California would have gone for the big swim. I mean, for the, uh, you know, the entire, this entire continental platelet would have actually slid into the ocean. There I am sitting there and suddenly there's these lights that start appearing and they're green and they look like, they look like pears actually. And they're all these, the, about a dozen of these green lights that I thought were planes that were all racking up to LAX. And then all of us started witnessing these blue white beams of light that started coming down out of the sky. So I, like an idiot, I run back into my house. Everything's still shaking. I grab my binoculars and I run out again. It's all stuff's falling all over the place. And I go out there and I start looking at these, looking at these, and I realize that they were ships. And I've seen, I, I've seen fleets of UFOs uh, over my house in Hermosa Beach three times. And this was one of them. Another one was, I think, Halloween of two thousand nine, and you know, and we saw another group of these ships off the pier because uh, I guess they like the ocean. So. And I see these, I see these greenish ships and these blue-white beams of light coming down out of the sky, and I'm thinking, "Oh my God, this is an intervention. This is a timeline shift. This is something crazy." Now, the next day on the news, Paul Moyer again on Channel Seven is telling everybody, "Oh, those are just transporters, transformers exploding," and people thought they saw blue-white beams of light coming down out of the sky. And I then remembered my Bible from the Book of Job, where, uh, where not Job, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Jonah. The book of Jonah, where Jonah finally goes to Nineveh, finally preaches to the people of Nineveh, then goes up on a hillside, builds this special lean-to, and, and what he called uh, living gourds that actually then gathered over the city that were going to destroy it. And then suddenly nothing happened, and the city wasn't destroyed because the people had repented. So the crazy part about this is that after that famous night of the gourds, if you will, that uh, the Landers quake, nothing Gordon Michael Scallion said after that was right. And then I checked with my other earthquake people, and we checked the maps, and I said, recheck the maps now. And we found that all these massive earthquakes that were building had somehow, somehow been dissipated, either through, either through a major timeline shift or the will of the people changing. And that's when I started publishing my newsletter, because I started taking on Gordon Scallion and, and you know, Dolores Cannon and you know, all these other people that were all these doom and gloom people, and I, and I was the one that was right saying, no, it's not going to be this big quake. And then I predicted the Landers earthquake and, uh, you know, various things, you know, after that. This was after predicting the San Francisco earthquake in 89 and taking a group of people two weeks before that quake happened uh, up to Mount Shasta to see if we can actually dissipate the quake or do something with it. So, you know, my career of being a, a sensitive of this ever since I came back from Nepal, uh, you know, had been predicting these things and also going to places and locations to try to stop them. And you can control the energy of Northern California from Mount Shasta, and you can control the energy of, of Southern California, and I've got to make it out there pretty soon, 
uh, from Santa Cruz Island, from this uh, this thing right off the coast of uh, of Ventura. But that particular location being an, an ancient Lemurian temple site, uh, you can actually dig into the grid and you can actually shift and feel the energy of of Southern California. Because Southern California is not going to be destroyed. It may some years from now it breaks up into islands, but the actual center part of Los Angeles is the throat chakra of the planet. It's the communication and music chakra. Uh, you have the six main chakras. You've got Lhasa Tibet, which is the base root chakra. You've got uh, 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 Giza uh, at the Great Pyramid. The Great Pyramid of Giza is the uh, prostate ovarian chakra. The solar plexus chakra is right at Stonehenge, which is another reason why you have all the crop circle phenomenon going on there because uh, it's a preparation for the birth of the next Messiah who's going to be born in England or at Stonehenge, very much like the pyramid predicted the last central messianic figure who was Christ uh, being born in Bethlehem. And then the heart chakra of the world is Machu Picchu. The throat chakra is Los Angeles. Uh, and the third eye is um, uh, an area outside of Osaka, Japan, which is called Tenri City. That was a. Uh, it's called. It's, it's a religion called Tenrikyo, and that's also why the uh, why Japan. The flag of Japan is not the rising sun. It's the rising sun of consciousness. That big red ball in their flag is the, is the Bindu uh, at the third eye. And the seventh chakra is everybody. The seventh chakra is the internet. Oddly enough, is is everybody now gathering together to create this new reality. And that's another reason why it's so difficult to make predictions after 2012. Simply because of the fact that we are, uh, we're now, now finally the truth is coming out. And remember that the whole point of apocalypse, it's a great name for a strip club because apocalypse means that which is hidden is now being revealed, and we're living that now. We're now seeing, you know, John Podesta the molesta, and you know what a horrible person Hillary Clinton is, and nobody can hide anything, and you know the emails of the DNC, and you know and all this stuff, and even if the Russians did hack whatever it is, which I, which I can tell you they did not. They were just showing us everything they were doing is what the press is supposed to be doing anyway. And, you know, showing us what horrible people these guys are and, and what contempt they, uh, they hold us in. And you just can't keep secrets anymore. You're, you're, everything that's hidden is being revealed. The veil, uh, that has occulted these people's activity is now, is now being pulled back. So, uh, it's going to be a very interesting ride. And let me point out from an astrological standpoint that we're going through we're going through the same set of astrological circumstances that happened between uh, to this country that happened between 1766 and about 1795. So all of this breaking away from the taxes and the banks and and uh, you know the oppression of the British, which uh, which really didn't happen, by the way. I mean, the, the British basically said. Uh, you pay us reparations, which we did. We paid the British 666,666 pieces of silver uh, to get them off our backs, and that's you know that's what uh, Cornwallis shaking his sword at at uh, you know at Washington. He didn't surrender. He said, "You Yanks, you Yanks, better pay up, or we'll be back and we'll burn this stupid little country to the ground." And that's exactly what they did. And it was all set up by Alexander Hamilton. Because Hamilton is the one that put us in with the Bank of England. England is fine as long as they control the courts and as long as they control the money. You can you, you can be as free as you think you are. That's what they offered Scotland. They said as long as we still control the courts using the Bar Association and as long as we still control the banks, you guys can do whatever you want. Well, that's the you know that's the whole core. Without the with the courts, it doesn't matter who makes the laws. It's about who enforces them. And with the banks, if you control the money, you control everything else. So. That might be the biggest thing with with Trump coming in uh, 
I mean, if I could sit down with Donald Trump for 15 minutes and give him my points to actually save the United States, whether or not he'll do them, I, I don't know. There's, there's still a lot of very nefarious forces going on around Trump that I, I, I think my biggest prediction is, is we're not getting what we're expecting. Uh, so we'll see how it all comes down. I have a first-time listener listening in tonight. Her name is Glenda. Hi, Glenda. And she has a question. She's a little nervous to ask this, and we were telling her there's no stupid questions or silly questions around here. So she is wondering, Sean, if you know if there are going to be any more arches of triumph erected in other major cities around the world soon. Okay. (laughs) Um, I... Uh, come on really <laughs> thank you glenda for asking the question but sure why not uh i would say maybe uh maybe ukraine once they get free uh i would say you know because they're now the government in ukraine is just terrible and something something has to happen there uh let me see might be another one in marseille i'm just i'm just tuning into it and uh but that's about all I see. It's interesting that she mentions the Arctic Triumph. I think what she's focusing on is, I believe that uh, that, that it's going to be interesting to see the triumph the triumvirate between Vladimir Putin and Marine Le Pen, who's head of the National Front, becoming the Prime Minister of uh, the Prime Minister of France, uh, Justin Trudeau, who I'm convinced, by the way, I am convinced because of where she was and because of the remarkable resemblance, I'm. <laughs> You know, this is just my opinion, but I'm convinced that Justin Trudeau is actually the son of Fidel Castro. I know. And, Many of us are. Yeah, Many of and, us are. Uh, and I just know that because of, uh, and Castro, this is another weird thing too. I mean, there were, there were people that reported that Castro uh, a couple of times actually had some kind of weird fling with Hillary Clinton as well. So Hillary Clinton being seen doing the walk of shame coming out of, out of Castro's hotel room on a number of occasions, but it's a, uh, uh but France is going to be in massive turmoil. Once Marine Le Pen gets in, there'll be a civil war in France. You're going to see, you're going to see cities like Marseille in flames. You're going to see, uh, I don't know why it's a streets destroyed, uh, massive destruction of like cars and property. Uh, but I mean, it's going to come to arms. It's going to be uh, Marine Le Pen will be like Charles, the hammer Martel and start a real campaign to drive Muslims out of France. And that is going to be, I mean, you're going to see, you'll see riots in the streets. You'll see all kinds of crazy things happening there. As far as the United States goes with, with Trump, uh, you'll notice that, I mean, nobody has seen George Soros for a long time. I mean, there are people claiming that Soros might be dead. I don't think he is. I don't think we'd be that lucky. But, uh, you know, once George Soros disappeared, all these supposed riots in the streets where, you know, rioters are being found on Craigslist and getting paid 16 bucks an hour with health insurance and all that other stuff, you know, have all dissipated. But, uh, and as I said, it'll depend on whether or not if Trump's serious, then the first, the, the very first warrant he will issue is for George Soros. It is interesting that the Trump transition team has contacted Russia and actually asked for the war crimes, uh, Nazi collaboration file, on George Soros. So there are uh, preliminary sniffing around, if you will, of the, the, of the, the Trump transition team talking to the Russians about getting a file on Soros. 
just to show people what a real scumbag he is. So I can't answer your question really, uh, you know, about uh, about whether or not there's Arc to Triumphs, uh, more Arc to Triumphs out there being built. No problem. I'm sure they're, I'm sure they're pretty structures, but you know, we've got what we've got the one in. You got the one in Paris. You've got the other one in Washington Square in New York. Uh, you know, I don't. It's not real popular structure today, but it's. Uh, uh, but but once again, looking at France, Marine Le Pen becoming head of the National Front between Putin and Trump and Le Pen. Man, that really puts the Rothschilds and the and the uh, uh, the uh, I don't know what you want to call them the Cossack Mafia. Uh, you know, some people call them the Kazarian Mafia or whatever because of the Khazars and that whole link with Mongolia and all that. But it's a uh, uh, there really are on the run. I mean, there are uh, there are bases being cleared out. There are people in the Trump administration. I think he's picking military people for a reason because uh, I, I mean he's going to war, hammer and tong with some of the most evil people that have enslaved and and murdered millions of people on this planet over the years. I mean, the biggest thing was when I when Russia fell, and we discovered that when David Rockefeller was made the basically the executor of the bankruptcy for the Soviet Union. We learned that the Soviet Union was basically a front corporation for the Rockefellers and that they were responsible for the deaths of 125 million people throughout the 20th century as, as Rockefeller was sitting there uh, like a big spider in the middle of his web, you know, writing out the chits for, uh, you know, for all the debts of the former Soviet Union. And, and Putin, the minute Putin got in power, he showed up at, uh, at Rockefeller's DACA in uh, St. Petersburg and grabbed him by the scruff of the neck and kicked him out of the country. And Rockefeller's never been invited back. And when you have people like uh, uh, Lord Jacob Rothschild uh, saying that Vladimir Putin is an enemy of the New World Order or the number one enemy of the New World Order, I'm like, well, maybe he's not such a bad guy after all. Uh, let me see. Let me just let me just roll off a couple of different things. All right. So, sure. uh, okay. So, uh, number one. Um, one of the things we're going to see throughout the year is it's going to be uh, we're going to see the word flash crash is going to is going to be I'll coin it here flash crash. There's going to be all these there's going to be huge instability in the stock markets where things are going to go up and then it's just going to we saw a flash crash for example when Trump was elected uh market dropped like I'm not sure exactly but it was a lot. It was 1000 points maybe 1500 or so and then the very next day it recovered. So uh the instability in the markets is going to make people very, 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 very weird. Uh, we're right there at my prediction, and let me, you know, let me take some credit for this because I've been saying for years, and I've gotten so much flack for this when I kept saying, you know, on coast to coast year after year. I remember back when the market was four thousand; it was outrageous for me to say it was going to go to five, then it was going to go to seven, then it was going to go to eight, then it was going to top out at at, at ten thousand. Then we're going to. Uh, we'll see it go to 16 and there'll be a flux. And my big prediction has come true finally. I mean, my predictions have, you know, Donald Trump being president of the United States, Hillary never, 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 ever being president. Uh, the night before the elections, my saying, I don't care what anybody says. Uh, Trump is going to win. He's going to win big. It's going to be a landslide. The mainstream media is just lying to you. They're falsifying information. They, they're, the mainstream media did everything that they're trying to accuse the Russians of. But, you know, in mass with 25,000 forms of media, that Trump was going to be president of the United States, that uh, uh, I'm still I'm still expecting the blanket pardons by Obama for uh, uh, for Bill and Hillary for whatever it is they did. Um, but that's not going to stop other things. The flash crashes are, are going to come where it's literally like a flash flood where it just seems to rain all at once. But now that the stock market is at 20,000, which is where I expected it to be. 
the the matrix is kind of set now for the next big toppling point of the market to now be as 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 outrageous as this is uh to be approximately 28,000 so that seems to be the next uh, main deal. Now, remember, the stock market going up like this is not good for mainstream America. Usually, the reason the markets have 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 gone up so much is that uh, the, you know, remember, the markets used to be an average over lots of different businesses. And my predictions on the market, I kept telling everybody, look, these businesses are going to get bought by bigger ones and bigger ones and bigger ones, and the big fish are going to feed on the small fish until there's no small fish, which is not good for anybody. And these big giant fish are going to be up there, and then and that's why the market goes up because it, it looks like a Jenga tower. It just goes up in a straight line. Okay, um, two years ago I was talking about Bitcoin as well, and that Bitcoin was Bitcoin was thirty five bucks, and at that time I was saying that Bitcoin was going to be as much as a thousand. So let's take a look at Bitcoin for this year. So Bitcoin's at a thousand. All right, so January, February. There's uh, there's a big drop in February on on everything. And by the way. Uh, there's going to be some major secrets that are going to start coming out in February. February is going to be technological secrets, maybe stuff about, you know, I could say stuff about UFOs, but it's going to be uh, uh, just big, big secrets towards the end of February 26th. Uh, that week or so, there's, I can't, what's, okay, what's the nature of the secrets coming out? Looks like technology. It looks like, uh, looks like power and technology, you know, cold fusion, uh, maybe even anti-gravity, but some uh, you know some major secrets coming out. Now let's take a look at Bitcoin because Bitcoin, okay, it's around. All right, a thousand now through January. Okay, February. There's a drop down to about. I'm just freewheeling it here. There's a drop. There's a drop down to about 850. Late February, the secrets come out. Then it goes up. February, March goes up again to about a thousand in March. Ooh, okay, March. It seems to be <laughs> seems to be going up, up, up. We're looking at Bitcoin at about. Oh my! Okay, about 1,400, 1,400. So we're looking at about fifteen hundred in March. Okay, April flattens out, flattens out. April, May, drop in May by just a bit. Okay, and then it flattens out. There looks to be an evening point on Bitcoin at about seventeen hundred or so. So you can probably still get in on it. It's about a thousand dollars. And remember, I was telling you about Bitcoin. I was telling everybody about Bitcoin in every lecture that I could go to. And people are like, "What's that?" I'm like, "It's a cryptocurrency." And oh, I don't understand it. I'm like, "Well, it's going to make you rich." So uh, you know, people have bought in at Bitcoin at thirty-five dollars uh, with it up to a thousand now. But it's it it appears to hit about mid-year, about seventeen hundred. And seems to level out between seventeen, about seventeen fifty. I would, I would go with that. So, so there we go. You can mark that. That's for, uh, that's for our buddy, Mister Rowe. So there we go, Dave. Um, let me see what else we got going on here. Um, okay, February major secrets. Uh, there's a, there's going to be uh, there's going to be a huge focus on medicine this year as well. There's going to be some massively there's going to be major cures. Finally, there's going to be things coming out because, you know, in 30 years, uh we haven't cured anything. We haven't cured cancer, we haven't cured whatever. It was uh I still remember a very funny skit they did on Jimmy Kimmel where it's the 30th anniversary of uh of Back to the Future. And I do think it's funny because you know, in Back to the Future it really did predict the future in 1985. <laughs> Marty comes back, goes to the future of 1985, and the and the the Chicago Cubs had won the World Series. 
uh, and Biff was running the world, which, of course, there's a remarkable resemblance, I think, between Biff and Donald Trump. So I just think it's funny that I'm saying, look, Back to the Future predicted it. Uh, Donald Trump's going to be president, and the, uh, and the Chicago Cubs are going to win the World Series. But Doc Brown comes back and says, uh, and says, where are your cures for cancer? And Jimmy Kimmel's like, oh, we don't have any, any of that he says, we have these phones where we can take pictures of ourselves. And he says, uh, and he says, are world scientists using it to combine data to solve the problems of mankind? He says, no, we have the Kardashians and, uh, you know, we have, we have, we have cat video and it just, it, it just showed me that we've made nothing. We've made no advances really at all other than we, we've, Obama has completely blocked our access to space. Although there is the secret space program, we have the uh, the X thirty seven B was uh, came back. It was it was up in space for years, and uh, there was this is the fourth flight of this mysterious space plane, which is also known as the orbital test vehicle. And uh, so Obama pretty much killed the space program, and you know he's he's done so much damage to this country in so many different ways. It was just, which is I watched some of his. Uh, his farewell speech tonight, and I was like, "Oh God, we're so we're so lucky to be rid of this clown." Um, all right, so let me see what else I got here. It's uh, uh, Jupiter ver- Jupiter versus Uranus this year because Uranus is in uh, Uranus is in Aries. <clears throat> Uranus is in Aries, which is uh, Uranus is a weird planet because it's sort of like you know your grandpa in his diapers who gets a hold of a gun and he's running around the house. So it's because uh, Uranus in Aries because because Uranus is the planet of of, of short, sharp shocks of revolts, revolutions, uh, short wars, but it's also the planet of atomic energy. So we're talking about uh, messing around with nukes, with uh, electromagnetic pulses, with uh, uh, all this stuff. But with Jupiter and Libra, because Uranus is in Aries and Jupiter and Libra, uh, once again, points towards, I think, remarkable breakthroughs in medical cures. And again, remember, the United States, we're not about curing anything. We're about creating not patients, but customers. And my family's been in the, uh, uh, the anti-cancer business for 40 years. My, uh, my mother was president of the National Health Federation, Maureen Kennedy Salomon, president of the National Health Federation for 37 years. She ran for vice president of the United States in 1984. Uh, she wrote, well, I actually co-wrote a lot of the books with her, but she wrote Nutrition, the Cancer Answer, The Dieter's Bible. Uh, her, her book, uh, uh, Foods That Heal, is still used as the definitive encyclopedia <clears throat> at Lindbergh in uh, in Whole Foods and whatever, and you know I helped her with a, a lot of the research on that. But we also have a clinic in uh, in Mexico where we're doing live cell therapy, we're doing uh, uh, replacement uh, 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 blood uh, blood platelets. Uh, my wife just went down there for her knees. Another friend of mine just had both her knees done, where they take your blood, they spin the platelets out, they give you uh, fresh stem cells, basically uh, from your own blood. That's not a and on that and on that note, I'm going to cut you off right there. Our final hour with Sean David Morton coming up right after this. More of your questions as well. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio. We'll be back after this break. The SOR Sightlines is a place for you to no, find not at all, to man. Strange experiences. Hi there. This is Mike Schmidt. If you have had an encounter with ghosts, UFOs, Bigfoot, ETs, or anything else that doesn't make sense. Head to spacedoutradio.com and file a Sightlines report. All information you give is 100% confidential, and I will personally help you find the answers you need. SOR Sightlines. Your answers are a click away. Come on. 
Greetings and salutations, space travelers from the Chronicles of the Unknown team. What is Chronicles of the Unknown? I keep hearing about this thing. It's a new paranormal reality TV show based right here in beautiful British Columbia, Canada. Follow our team as we uncover claims of activity on the Caribou Gold Rush Trail. You can also follow us here every third Monday where two members of our team will be available to answer your questions. We'll give you some equipment updates and some of our experiences on the road. Right here on Spaced Out Radio. Hi there. I'm Butch Witkowski, lead investigator with Euphorcop. On the final Monday of every month, you can listen to me and host Dave Scott on Spaced Out Radio's Strange Days. We're going to get to the heart of the matter when it comes to what's happening out there. People are seeing and experiencing things from ET contact to Bigfoot, and I want to hear about it. Your experiences are what we investigators need to help solve these unknown mysteries. So tune in at spacedoutradio.com to the final Monday of every month from Butch Wachowski's Strange Days. Visit purpleplates.com today. For over 40 years, the Purple Energy Plates have been delivering amazing results for their many customers. Inspired by the great genius Nikola Tesla, the harmony, healing, and energetic effects of the plates have proven over and over to be beneficial and often miraculous to thousands of customers. With their money-back guarantee and the many benefits, how can you afford not to get one? Check their site for daily specials and choose from their many energy products. You won't be sorry. Visit them today at purpleplates.com for mind, body, and spirit. And expect a miracle. This is your medium, Joanna, from Spaced Out Weekend, Two Mediums and a Large. I would love it if you would come and join us with host James Tyson every other Sunday on Spaced Out Weekend. Together, we will take your calls and your questions live. Our goal is to provide you with a positive outlook on deep questions that you may have. Questions regarding love, relationships, money, or whatever else is on your mind. Come and check us out at spacedoutradio.com. Have you checked out the SOR Spacewire at spacedoutradio.com yet? Every day we post the latest stories regarding the weird, strange, and completely unbelievable. From cryptid and UFO sightings to the conspiracy world, we tackle it all. Hi there, I'm Eric Markham, Space Out Radio's news director for the SOR Spacewire. And if you have a story, I want to hear it. Email me at news at spaceoutradio.com. Patrolling the Pacific Northwest, we are always on the lookout for the strange and unassuming stories that real people are experiencing. Hi, I'm Vincent Zunza from Pacific North Weird. Me and Alexandra Sullivan have teamed to bring to you those odd stories that never seem to make it into the mainstream. Stories so weird that we'll leave you scratching your head wondering, is this real? It's as real as it gets with Pacific North Weird. You can watch our videos right here at spacedoutradio.com. Become more intimate and interactive with Spaced Out Radio. Join our Space Travelers Club with your new membership. For $5 a month, we'll provide you with special access to the website, monthly prize draws from books to psychic readings, along with monthly newsletter, private interviews, and more. Sign up today to be part of Spaced Out Radio's experience. Every month on Spaced Out Radio, we look into the deep and dark reports of cryptids roaming around the world with me, Rob Morphy, from Cryptopia.us. I would love it if you would join me and host Dave Scott as we delve into the most arcane stories and reports regarding creatures of the unknown. My job is to hunt down the details and bring the evidence forward to you. These aren't your regular Bigfoot stories I'm talking about either. You can find out more about crypto history at SpacedOutRadio.com. 
Looking for a place to advertise at a very reasonable cost? Look no further than Spaced Out Radio. SpacedOutRadio.com has an advertising tab that you can click to check out our daily, weekly, and monthly packages to play on the radio or our website including social media. From commercial spots to banners, we have it all. Check out our competitive pricing today. You hear footsteps in the empty room above you. A rocking chair begins rocking by itself. Don't be afraid of the things that go bump in the night. Reach for Spirit Story Box. The iPhone app the Huffington Post UK called the only ghost hunting app you will ever need. Spirit Story Box. The spirits are telling their stories. Are you listening? Strange creatures lurking in the night, the sounds of wood knocking in the forest, odd happenings right out of a fictional world. These are the reports I love. Hi there, this is author Ronald Murphy, and I would love it if you'd join me and Spaced Out Radio host Dave Scott the second Wednesday of every month on our journey into the unknown land of cryptozoology at spacedoutradio.com. From Mothman to Frogman and everything in between, hey, they don't call me the crypto guru for nothing. Did you know that Spaced Out Radio runs seven days a week? Hi, it's James Tyson from Spaced Out Weekend. Every Saturday and Sunday night, starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern, you can join me and my guests for some great chatter about what's going on out in the universe or even in that dark part of the basement you really don't want to go back into. Well, let's find the answers to your experiences together. So come on up to Uncle Jimbo's cabin on the weekend. For more information, look us up at spacedoutradio.com. The views and opinions expressed by tonight's guest and topic of discussion do not necessarily represent the official policy or position of Spaced Out Radio. Spaced Out Weekend, Spaced Out Radio Limited, its hosts, syndicated carriers, or anyone associated with this broadcast. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and hashtag Spaced Out Radio. And on Facebook, Spaced Out Radio Show. Now, back to the program. Welcome back for the final hour of Spaced Out Radio tonight. I am your host, Dave Scott. Good to have you along for the ride with us. Tomorrow night on the show, we get all cryptid. Yes, the crypto guru, Ronald Murphy, is back for his first appearance of 2017. Always good when we got the crypto guru on the air with us 9 p.m pacific midnight eastern time at spaceoutradio.com hey we want to welcome in everyone listening in on the united public radio network live on 107.7 fm in new orleans and over 160 countries around the world thank you for taking part tonight really do appreciate that if you're listening in on renegade talk radio we are live in sin city yes las vegas we thank you for bringing us into your nightly ventures as well if you're listening in on revolution radio the double r machine is a donation station financed by you the valued listener head on over to freedomslips.com and donate today bill cardwell has set the password for tonight the sor space travelers club Tripano Sotomate. Tripano Sotomate is your password. Make sure you use it wisely, space travelers. 
You can follow me on social media on Twitter at Space Out Radio. You can also use the hashtag Space Out Radio if you want to get your questions and comments in because we are live right there as well. You can follow me on Instagram, Dave Scott S O R. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Spaced Out Radio Show. Tune us in on TuneIn. Download this show and others on iTunes. And of course, our website is spacedoutradio.com with a plethora of features there for you to check out, including joining the SOR Space Travelers Club for five bucks a month. Tonight we are talking with Sean David Morton. He is someone who is an expert when it comes to remote viewing and other subjects around the world. Sean, welcome back. Hey. Hey. How are you? So we got any more of these amazing questions? or? Uh... Yeah, we're going to fire some up right now, my friend. Okay. Uh, this one comes from Gloria, and Gloria is asking, will 2017 be the year where we finally finish off ISIS? Uh actually yes it's a uh, it's kind of interesting because isis is isis is a big front for the cia so it's basically going to be a uh, it's going to be um it's going to be interesting because <laughs> i i have to explain the entire situation there the reason that vladimir putin of course has has dealt with syria for all this time and putin sees himself as one of the last defenders of Christianity. And another reason why he's backing Assad Bashar there is because without Assad, uh, let's say if, if, if ISIS was to take over and Assad was to leave. And once again, these are, this is who the United States is backing, by the way, we're really backing what is the, the Israeli secret intelligence service. That's really what ISIS stands for. But the corridor that you've seen ISIS go through is in my opinion, uh, this whole thing financed by Saudi Arabia, which means it's financed by the United States, which is financed by the CIA, is to create a corridor to allow the Saudi Arabians to build a pipeline up into Europe so they can compete with the Russians uh, with natural gas and oil. So that's number one. That's the misery that's being put in there. I think with the friendship that's about ready to come together with uh, with Putin and uh, and Trump. And by the way, that's another Edgar Casey prophecy. The Edgar Casey prophecy is, is that at some point in the future that the Soviet Union would fall and that the United States and Russia would become very good friends. So all this, all this red baiting that you're hearing, you know, mostly coming out of people like John McCain, who's been funded by George Soros from the beginning, uh, and Barack Obama with his complete utter fantasy of, of the Russians hacking the election and the, the CIA intelligence document that says, well, we don't know if any, any of this is right, and we don't know if anything in this document is actually true, but we're just putting it out there as just kind of, uh, uh, you know, we don't like Russia today because Russia today tells the truth. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's just obscene. So it's going to be inter- interesting to see when Trump actually cuts through a lot of this complete nonsense out there. I think uh, you know ISIS is going to vanish because he's putting all these generals in charge, and I think Syria will be saved. You know, this this is the upside of Donald Trump. The upside of Donald Trump is that ISIS will finally be defeated. We're going to team up with the Russians to give Syria back to the Syrians. Here's the other challenge, though. The challenge is going to be is that the Israelis and se- well, seventy countries are going to vote on the fifteenth of January as to whether or not to create a two party state, a separate independent nation for Palestine. Uh, Trump is, look, he is, uh, he's in the pocket of Benjamin Netanyahu and Benjamin Netanyahu is crazy. And the Likud party represents only about 5% of, of the six and a half, 6.7. It's actually closer to 7 million people that live in Israel. 
So it's it's going to be a very tricky thing because every single one of Donald Trump's kids are married to Jewish or Orthodox Jews. The son-in-law that he wants to be his major advisor is is an Orthodox Jew. So all of them are going to be, going to be on the side of Israel, do or die. So that's the, the other downside is, is that is it a good thing to take all these guys from the corporate world, to take guys like Tillerson, as an example, from ExxonMobil Exxon and make him Secretary of State, to take uh, uh, every single one of these guys you're looking at, the, the federal government is supposed to be regulating, really, all of these various corporations and these businesses. So to take people that are the captains of industry of these businesses and put them as head of the, of the regulatory agencies that, that are supposed to actually, you know, be watchdogs over these, uh, over these agencies. Now, on the one hand, it means regulation is going, going to be massively reduced. You're going to see the price of gasoline go way down. Uh, you know, you're looking at, you're looking at oil finally at a reasonable $25 a barrel. Uh, you know, that's, you know, so that's another prediction for you as well. Um, I remember, I think it was a year ago I was in, I was in, uh, Canada and I was doing a reading for a guy and, uh, uh, I, I told him that oil was going to go back down to, you know, in the $20 range. And he just said, he said, you're crazy. You're nuts. You're, you suck at what you do. And I had to actually call him on the phone when oil got back down to like 26 bucks and say, uh, uh, you want to take that, you want to take that back? You want to apologize for that? So um, it's going to be the good and the, the 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 good, bad, and the ugly with Trump. The good news is is that he's very reactive. Uh, it is nice to have a bunch of grownups in charge again, and not uh, and not foreign people that hate America. Uh, that's uh, you know that's one thing. A guy who's at least born here. And um, so anyway, I'm not sure if this is answering your question, but it's uh, it, it just has to do with the with the very fact that uh, that Assad in power was stopping these ISIS sons of bitches from, you know, murdering about 300,000 Christians there. And you, by the way, if you'll notice that the biggest Holocaust on the planet has been, has been Christians around the world. I mean, there are entire Christian populations that are being wiped out, that are being raped, that are being, you know, beaten in concentration camps and all this. And nobody seems to care. Uh, it seems like, you know, the whole Obama administration is like, praise the, praise the Muslims, uh, kill the Christians and blame the Jews. That's you know that's what it's been. He's given these billions of dollars to Iran. Uh, it just once again my when Obama was elected, I told everybody he was going to be the butt boy for the Saudi Arabians, and that he's he he is basically a Saudi Arabian uh, Manchurian candidate that was put put through school by the Saudi Arabians. Uh, they gave twenty million dollars to Harvard to make this clown head of the Harvard Law Review. It's not because of the papers that he wrote, which have all been classified, but the Saudi Arabians made this guy president of the United States. So, uh, yes, ISIS will be defeated. It will go away. It'll be one of those things where we will team up with the Russians. We will wipe them out. And really, once Trump gets a hold of the intelligence agencies like CIA and FBI and whatever else, fires all these people and restructures them, there's going to be far less mischief on Earth, far less suffering. And with the United States drawing back, finally isolating ourselves and minding our own business, I think it's going to be a much, a much safer world. With all the conflict and everything that has been going on in 2016 being such a rough year for people, Ron is asking, do you believe that the Antichrist could be walking the earth right now? Uh, you know, that's a really hard question because I, I you know, I have I've made predictions about the about an antichrist character and it it's it's 
it's really complicated. It's complicated from the fact that if you, as a student of the uh, Nostradamus prophecies, by the way, I want to congratulate John Hogue. Uh, John Hogue was so confident that Hillary Clinton would win the election that he wrote a book called The Nostradamus Hillary Clinton Prophecies, which I wanted, I, I so want to get a copy of that. Next time I see him, I want him to sign it. Uh, and, and let me, let me give this to you as well. As somebody who is sensitive, as somebody who is a, I can't say a leader, but you know, a voice. And I guess you would call the new age movement. I'm, I'm kind of hated by these people. I mean, I go in there and I say, look, it is, it's all about God, guns, gold, and groceries. And you guys, you people aren't going to hear what I have to say. I was on a panel up in Northern California and I was just going, I was just laying out the scenario of what happened when Hillary Clinton like collapsed on 9-11 and how bad her health was. And I was heckled off my own panel by these women on the panel who were going, oh, we don't need to hear about that. That's just all conspiracy nonsense. And the audience is yelling and screaming at them. And I was like, you know, and then the, the guy who ran this whole thing, you know, David Saeed Farman was like, Oh, well, no, 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 no. It was, it was, well, it was this one woman who then took the, actually grabbed the microphone out of my hand. And I was like, I don't need this. I've been kicked out of better places than this. Shut up. You people can have it. Of course, I'm in Berkeley, mind you. And I'm just trying to explain to people, you know, the, the health challenges with Hillary Clinton and how she was really sick and all that and sort of getting, you know, getting heckled off the panel by the people on the panel. Uh, so look, when every astrologer was telling you that Donald Trump was not going to be president, you know, I was telling you he was going to be president. When every psychic was telling you that, oh, it's going to be lovely when Hillary's president, I'm like, you're in for a rude surprise. When all these people were predicting that it was going to be Hillary Clinton and people like me stood up in their face and said, you don't know what you're talking about. The media is lying to you. Donald Trump is going to win hands down. It's going to be a big victory. And this country is going to change and shift. And that's part of the reawakening. That is part of we finally figured out that you know that all these people that Trump was running against were really scumbags and they weren't going to do what they said they were going to do or were going to do it and it was just more of the same and people were just sick of Obama and you know sick of everything else so in in that in that spirit uh, of the uh, of of the question again <laughs> I'm sorry ask me the question again so I can answer it oh that was just in regards to whether or not the antichrist is still walking okay. around all right so here you go so here you go if you look at the Nostradamus prophecies, Nostradamus is dead on about Napoleon being the first Antichrist. I mean, dead on it. And he actually he actually says his name is Napoleon. He spells his name incorrectly because he, he, he calls him Bonaparte, and his name is spelled incorrectly. But if you look at the tomb of Bonaparte, his name on his tomb is misspelled exactly the way that Nostradamus puts it in the quatrain like, you know, 300 years before. So that's number one. So he identifies Napoleon. The second Antichrist he identifies as Hister, and that's a double entendre because Hitler was born on the Danube River, which used to be known as the Hister, which flows from Austria into Germany. So it was a, it was a double entendre to show not only where the man would be born, but, uh, you know, what his name was going to sound like. Did say that Hitler would escape as well in a, in a, uh, uh, in a cage that traveled beneath the sea. In a, in, a, in a submarine. And um, so he very specifically names Hitler and all kinds of stuff on Hitler. Now, the third Antichrist is just super tricky. You cannot see him in the quatrains. And uh, I, I, can, I can give you an idea that what Nostradamus saw was a number of different people that would 
achieve the the antichrist moniker, if you will. And for example, Saddam Hussein is named as an antichrist. He, uh, Nostradamus specifically says that he would reign for twenty seven years. He gives the name Mabus, which is actually the name Saddam. If you hold it up in a mirror, it's Saddam spelled backwards. He says Mabus will soon then die after a reign of twenty seven years. And um, but it also very specifically points to George W. Bush, and it talks about that a, an antichrist would arise from what he called the Frank ship, which is which is the United States. It looks like it looks like the prow of a ship. It looks like uh, the word Frank is interesting because you have Benjamin Franklin, but the word Frank means to be truthful or honest, so it has a lot to do with freedom of speech. It talks about how um, the country where the Antichrist would rise from, they would they hold Thursday as their sacred day, and of course the United States, we look the country looks like a ship. We have freedom of speech, and our national holiday that everybody really celebrates is Thanksgiving, which is on a Thursday, which is completely unique. Once again, thanks to Abraham Lincoln declaring the holiday. So, points to George Bush causing chaos in Mesopotamia. Uh, death of animals, death of people, you know, no water, which I think is unusual. So uh, there's not really much about, I guess, Barack Obama, not really much about Hillary Clinton. Uh, and it just, there's, as I said, it's a bunch of different smattered quatrains. By the way, they talk about a guy in a blue turban. And Saddam Hussein had to wear a blue turban when he went north to the Kurds to show his, I don't know, dedication to Islam. And, and it's 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 all has to do with a hajj to... Uh, uh, to Mecca, but very much points to George W. Bush as being an antichrist. Then points to uh, Saddam Hussein as being as being an antichrist. Uh, you know, points to the the challenges of Mesopotamia. Now, in my own predictions, what I saw, and this was this was way back in ninety two, ninety three. Uh, well, okay, let me give you one more. Gene Dixon actually gave the birth date of the antichrist as I think February second of nineteen sixty two. Now, it is interesting because the king of Jordan, uh, King, Ab- ah, I'm sorry, I, don't, I, I forget, I, it's not King Abdullah. He may have taken over from King Abdullah, but, um, but the king of Jordan was born, I think, around February of 62. Uh, there was a very interesting alignment of like eight planets in Aquarius at that particular period of time. But, uh, I mean, I, and I did charts on all these people, and not, nobody's really panned out. You had Kim Jong-un, or Kim Jong-il, who, you know, of course then died. Now he's got Kim Jong-un. Now, in 1992, in my book, The Millennium Factor, uh, I worked with a police artist because I saw a, a character that would be like, like a global antichrist or a master terrorist. And, it's, uh, and I used that, that drawing for many years. And then when I finally saw his face and I saw him wearing a red ring and he was holding a microphone and sort of threatening the world. And in 1998, I published in my newsletter saying, this is the guy that I saw that was going to be this great antichrist. And this is the guy, uh, that's going to be responsible for terrorist attacks on New York and Washington. And I was on a show. I was on hard copy actually back in, um, 96, I think it was, you know, showing this picture and showing attacks on uh, using the aeronautic infrastructure of the United States against uh, against Washington and uh, uh, against Washington and uh, uh, New York City. You know, of course, roundly mocked at that time. Of course, then when nine eleven happens, and uh, back in nineteen ninety four, I actually said that these attacks 
in New York City would happen in 2001 and that, uh, uh, that they would mobilize the United States, that we would go to war in the Middle East, uh, destroying countries like Iraq, Syria, whatever else, that this would lead to the bankruptcy of the United States around 2010 to 2012, that this would then lead to a civil war. Now, I identified Osama bin Laden back in 1998 in my newsletter saying, this is the guy. This is, I, I saw him, and this is the guy whose face I saw that was going to be on like wanted posters all around the world and gave very specific information as to uh, you know what would happen with him and uh, and I'll, I, you know I'll tell you this this one other story because I told it on coast to coast uh, I think it was December twenty eighth of two thousand one where I was contacted through another friend of mine I actually worked for a military group of remote viewers they called it project uh, it was called Project Foresight and the Foresight guys it was a lady colonel there were like two lady colonels. And a friend of mine got me into it, got me contact with these people, and, and they started giving me blind targets, and I started giving them uh, accurate information. And after about three tries, I said, you guys are looking for Osama bin Laden. You want to know where he's going to be at a specific, a specific place? And, I sa- and they said yes. And so in December of 2001, I projected that he was going to be at this particular pass outside the city of Kaust, and this was going to happen between... January 25th and approximately February 5th that he would be in this location. And I worked with maps and I gave him the coordinates and longitudes and latitudes and the whole deal. And uh, I said, can I talk about this? And they said, well, don't give specifics, but yes. So on December 28th, I talked about what I did with Project Foresight and that I gave them this information and that they would see something about either, either an attack or the death of bin Laden between January 25th and February 5th. Lo and behold, they they spotted bin laden going through this pass they sent a cruise missile after him and the next day this was i think the 3rd and the 4th they announced in the news that they wanted dna samples from uh, the bin laden family to check against blood and tissue samples they found because the military announced that they had you know blowed up bin laden with a bunch of his followers in this particular pass now what i was told by the foresight guys later was that he had been wounded uh, he limped around for a while, and that he died uh, sometime in late April, early May of 2002. And this came directly from an E-ring at the Pentagon with the Project Foresight guys. And uh, some other stuff that I did was on biologics, on certain types of disease, and, and whatever else. So um, as far as an antichrist goes, yes, in my visions in 1994, I saw a character called Jamal that seems to then unite Islam. And I wrote a book about this, which is called... Uh, the Dark Prophet, Veil of the Antichrist, uh, all about a Jesuit priest who's half Irish and half Bedouin who actually works as a spy in the Arab terror networks for uh, uh, for the Vatican. And there's two books. There's Black Seraph, which is the first novel, and then there's the uh, you know the epic best-selling tome, Dark Prophet, Veil of the Antichrist, all available by the way uh, on uh, you know on Amazon and uh, uh, my website, Strange Universe Radio. But uh, which tells the tale of what would happen if you had one person who appeared who could then unite Islam together. And this book, which I wrote in 2009, talked about how they take over Europe by immigration. They simply massively invade uh, Spain and try to reestablish the caliphate in Cordoba, Spain, which was the last place that the Muslims held sway. Uh, They were driven out by Charles the Hammer Martel. And this is going to be another thing where the Spanish are going to have to team up with the French when Marine Le Pen uh, comes in as the, uh, as the prime minister and starts to drive all these people out. I mean, the city of Marseille has been cont- totally taken over 
by these really savage Muslim uh, Algerians. Uh, you can't walk the streets of Marseille anymore. It's too dangerous. And they practice things like, you know, female circumcision and, you know, just all kinds of barbaric stuff. But, uh, yeah, it's going to, I mean, it's going to get far worse in Europe. And I don't know what Angela Merkel is thinking by letting all these people in. I mean, in all fairness, the United States and Germany have basically blown up Syria. And it's like, well, you burned down my house, so now I'm going to come live with you. So all of these, uh, and that was another thing I predicted in 94 as well, that, that, the, uh, that the United States would become, uh, uh, would become a refugee camp, basically, that all these people from all over the world, the women and children, would be taken in. And, and, and what I did was, and this is kind of unique, in 1994, you could call it a remote viewing, but I went to 100 years in the future and then looked back. And this was a Tibetan technique that I learned in Nepal at the monastery there, because it was Nepalese technique, but uh, of what we call uh, soul transference, where it's possible that not only can you go back and experience your past lives, but you can also, going through sort of a silver ring, but you can go through a golden ring as well and experience your future lives. So I did this, and through the course of, you know, this is from, this was back in uh, 86 or so, through the course of this, I, I saw the population, huge reductions in the population in about the, uh, about the 2020s or so, and then just not a lot of places to incarnate, and then found my next incarnation is living in a place called New Omaha, Nebraska, that's now part of the North American Union, which is what's left of Mexico, the islands of California, and, uh, and Canada. It's all been kind of merged together, and Omaha becomes the capital of the world because they can grow food. And food becomes the commodity, not this paper crap like what they do in New York, which is all just paper, and Chicago, which is just paper for the commodities market. But Omaha becomes like, because uh, the whole world becomes more about farming and agriculture at that time. And uh, I think I incarnated as my own grandson. And what I then did was then I looked back at the history of Earth, uh, specifically around this particular period of time, wrote it all down in 94, and it's been amazingly accurate as far as that progression. But in that progression, and I can't, and I, I will say the timeline could change. The things that I got wrong were I'd seen what I thought was a red mercury device exploded in uh, Washington, D.C., which then forced the capital to then move to Denver, which is the secondary federal capital by the United, uh, of the United States. So if there was a designated survivor continuity of government thing, they would move everybody to Denver which is why the Denver airport goes down 20 levels and connects to all the top secret, uh, you know, Illuminati bases and, you know, connects to Dulce and connects to Area 51 and all those other, all those other places. And uh, there's then there's the 9-11 attacks in 2001. Those then lead to adventures in the Middle East, which bankrupt the country, which then leads to a civil war in the country in the, in the teens right about now. Uh, but eventually leads to uh, huge conflicts with China and an actual physical invasion of the United States by China uh, sometime in the 2020s, which is kind of phase one. So my predictions were we would go through Islam first in the Middle East, then we would go toe-to-toe with the Chinese. Then if you want to go all the way forward, the planet's hit by some kind of asteroid in 2027, 2028 or so. There's seven years of instability how much time do we have left? Oh, we got uh, about twenty minutes, twenty-five okay. minutes. Uh, there's some form of uh, you know massive planetary instability that happens for about seven years or so, 
and then everything changes in 2034. I don't know uh, the it's called the day of appearance. You actually have uh, every starship in uh, every starship in this quadrant of the galaxy appears for one day. And what they do is they clean the atmosphere of the planet, put the planet back in alignment with galactic center. They actually fix the rotation of the planet, and then they disappear. That's it. They don't help us otherwise, other than just fixing the the geologics and the gravitational aspect of the Earth. Uh, at that time, the new messianic figure is born. Uh, she comes as a, as a, a child and takes control of kind of a theocratically based government in, uh, 20, 2039 approximately. And, uh, it leads to an amazing and stupendous new age. Now, let me give you another couple of uh, interesting things. I think that the, um, I think that Los Angeles is going to get the Olympics. What I've seen is Los Angeles gets the Olympics in 2024. That uh, a building is built. One of the things that they do as far as the whole renovation of Los Angeles for the 2024 Olympics is they build some kind of huge tower uh, just east of Los Angeles. You can see it coming over the freeway. But it's it's very similar to the tower... That's in Mexico City, but it's like a huge pillar, and it has an angel on top of it, and the angel is holding a sword up, and the sword glows. It does, it does like I don't know, tricky high definition stuff that the sword glows. <clears throat> but then there's a heat wave actually uh, when the Olympics are here, and there's an earthquake actually in the Santa Monica Bay. So it's not so much the earthquake, but it then becomes the flooding of the the bay itself actually then rising up and creating a tsunami wave that then. Uh, rolls into the basin part of uh, Los Angeles. This is sometime around, as I said, some kind of massive global event. But I see what I believe to be the Olympics in 2024 and this uh, this giant angelic statue that's built uh, right before a big earthquake that you know takes out a big takes out a pretty big chunk of Los Angeles. Uh, worried now because I talked about how the the major earthquakes around the world were going to start last October. And I talked about October 24th, and they actually started in Japan on the 21st. So that prediction was a, a little off by a couple of days. But what you're seeing is, are these massive uh, micro swarms all up and down California, which uh, once again has to do with the weather. You know, it's just going to be, you might as well just get used to it that this winter is just going to be disastrous. I know that's, that's a Johnny Come Lately prediction because it's happening now. But I talked about it last October about how, you know, the rain in California, Northern California, uh, you know, rivers overflowing, dams overflowing. The biggest thing that's going to happen is you're going to have dams rupturing because the infrastructure is so bad. Uh, just today on the news, as an example, a dam that's 70 years old was basically breaking. So um, the other side economically is also going to be, well, let me get a drink here. You know, as Trump is dead serious about infrastructure, and that, and that is going to create you know, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of jobs. And if they can just control the military spending, if we could just bring everybody home and muzzle the military for one year, as I said, that, you know, that's $650 billion that goes into the military every year could rebuild every bridge, every road, you know, every school, uh, you know, literally we could have roads and cities paved with paved with gold, if you could just bring the military industrial complex under. Now, the problem has been is that everyone that's taken on the CIA and the military industrial complex winds up dead usually. So uh, I just hope that uh, 
you know, the president-elect uh, uh, really does protect himself. That's why he's got his own private security and whatever else. So let me see what else is going on. Um, let me point out that uh, one other – the biggest feature that you're going to see this year, and I've kind of saved this for last, I hope, but is going to be the eclipse. Is going to be a uh, – you've got a massive eclipse where for the first time ever, which is very, very interesting, for the first time ever, the entire length of the eclipse – starts in the United States and ends in the United States. It actually starts up by uh, up in Oregon and and stretches the the entire length of the US. Uh, we wanted to go do something for the eclipse actually, but the rooms have been sold out for like two years of people up in Oregon who are going to do that because the eclipse is August 17th. Now the middle part of the United States still has the New Madrid Fault. And the New Madrid Fault is about 60 years overdue to rupture. And the last time the New Madrid Fault went was uh, December of 20... Uh, December of 1812 and then uh, February of 1813. And it ruptured twice. And the city of New Madrid, Missouri, simply disappeared. It rang bells as far north as Toronto. It made the Mississippi River run backwards. And... This eclipse, the penumbra of the main force of the eclipse is happening dead center over the New Madrid Fault. Now, spiritually speaking, the eclipse literally physically divides America into two sections, the north and the south. And so it's going to be very interesting to see psychologically what happens above and below, you know, the red state, blue state sort of thing, above and below this, the, the whole deal of, of how this eclipse is going to psychologically divide us and quite possibly if you're looking for a trigger for some kind of civil war, that would be it, number one. Number two, the New Madrid Fault is due to go. And if I would pick any sort of time for the New Madrid Fault to go, it would be within 30 days of either side of this eclipse. Now, the things I'm telling you, the government knows. The things I'm telling you, uh, they've seen along the same timeline, I believe, that I have. So it's very interesting that in 2000, in August of 2011, there were two rather mysterious quakes on either side of the New Madrid Fault. One was in Colorado that I think was an artificial triggered quake, and the other one was in the Appalachian, at the foot of the Appalachian Range. What it did is it had, I was in New York at the time, I think coming out of the Apple store in Columbus Square, uh, when this thing, uh, when this thing ruptured and there was a big quake in, there was a big quake in New York cause they don't have them there. And, uh, it's so funny cause everybody had to come out of the buildings and everybody's just tweeting on their phone. It's a beautiful day. And I yell, Hey, it's a beautiful day. <laughs> everybody looks up at me for a second and they go right back to sort of prairie dogging. But these two quakes on either side of the North American plateland and the Appalachian plate had the tendency of actually pulling apart the two land masses. The problem with the Madrid fault is, that once again, you've got the Appalachian Appalachian Mountains and you've got the North American plate are both butting into each other like rams, if you will. There's no stress relief. There's no faultines. There's nothing like, for example, the San Andreas Fault in California, uh, we cannot have a nine quake. You just It's impossible because there's so many other little fault lines that come up it. So if you want to know, I mean, the four horsemen of the American apocalypse are Mount Rainier, that if Mount Rainier were to blow, the weak side of Mount Rainier faces the city of Seattle, and Seattle would just be done. Uh, it would kill 25,000 people just in the first minute. Uh, the San Andreas Fault, obviously, uh, Mount Popotocapetl, 
down in Mexico always blows before the New Madrid fault uh, before the San Andreas fault goes. Uh, the New Madrid fault, of course, in the central part of the United States, which has the which has the capability of splitting the U.S. in half, making the Mississippi River a hundred miles wide, and then and then basically breaking up the the Great Lakes and turning them into an inland sea. This would be the this is completely along the lines of the uh, the Edgar Casey predictions. But Edgar Casey has not been, as I've told you, after 1992, after that intervention in Los Angeles, after those ships appeared, all of the Book of Jonah. Uh, none of these other pundits, <laughs> I have to pat myself on the head, except me, have been completely wrong. Uh, you know, the Gordon Michael Scallions and the Doris Cannons and all these people predicting this stuff. And, you know, I've been right with the San Francisco quake, with the Landers quake, with the Northridge quake, with all the other stuff that's been going on. And I kind of stopped the earthquake prediction stuff because I would just be right over and over and over again. And there really wasn't any point. I mean, because, you know, nobody was being, nobody was being killed. No big cities were being destroyed. And I also believe that the Northridge quake was an artificial quake. And I do believe a lot of the bigger quakes, like Fukushima as an example, are artificially being done by the super technology using group or whoever's really running the world to realign and uh, realign the land masses of the earth and to bring total axis of the earth to alignment with galactic center. And uh, uh, there's a pattern of these quakes, by the way, these big quakes happen every 188 days, which is if you take pi r squared and times it by 60, which is the radius of a circle, comes out to 188.88888 and all of these uh, all these earthquakes all happen on that uh, 188-day cycle. <clears throat> what else you got? Because I'm getting tired. I'm losing my voice here. Oh, no worries. Hey, Dave wants to ask a question in regards to what is happening with, it seems to be some instability happening around Antarctica. What do you know about that? Well, it, it, it's, huh. all right, something's going on down there. I mean, something really weird is happening. So when you when you understand that, that Adolf Hitler claimed New Schwabenland or the entire Antarctic as the property of Nazi Germany back in 1935, actually. And then he talked about his last battalion, that, that when, in the final battle of East versus West, my last battalion will be there to tip the scales. Well, that's some pretty mysterious stuff for a guy that is in the process of losing a war. Um, Admiral Byrd, of course, went down there and he got a bunch of his planes blown out of the sky. And, uh, you know, so there's something very strange happening. And, uh, uh, all right, you can look up the NASA webpage if you want on this because they were mystified by it. But there was a coronal mass ejection that, and this was not too long ago, this was about two years ago, a coronal mass ejection that licked the outer atmosphere of the Earth and was, was about to create what's called the Z-pinch. Now, if you want to do your science on this, a, there was a Z-pinch 14,400 years ago. That occurred where these masses come out, they hit the atmosphere of the Earth, and what they do is that they, they bounce off the atmosphere, but they come in through the North and South Pole through the openings in the Van Allen radiation belt. We had one of these things happen, and as it was coming in through the Northern Van Allen belt hole, there was a force field of some kind. I'm not kidding. This is this NASA Scientific American stuff. There was a force field that came out of the Arctic, that came out of the top and the bottom of the Arctic and the Antarctic, that then repelled the force. 
of this coronal mass ejection of this thing that was going to you know wipe out the earth now the last time we had a really big uh cme actually actually you know like wipe out a power grid uh was canada in uh, 1989, but uh, you know, there's only about 30 people that live there, and you know, it was summer. Hey, hey we got 36 yeah. million. 36 <laughs> million. It was summertime, and in the summer, their igloos melt, and they just wander the tundra like buffalo. So you know, that is true. Heard. That is true. <laughs> so nobody noticed. So um, I'm just saying that that with what's going on in Antarctica, let me give you a brief. Let me give you a brief series of events. You, you've now had something. I know this is weird because this is like a science fiction novel that I should probably write. They're doing massive renovations at Mecca. Okay, Mecca. They find something. One of the things that Mecca was at the Zumzum Well, the original cobblestone, was a repository for every mystical object they could get their hands on. Muhammad shows up. Remember, they've been worshiping this box for a thousand years. Muhammad shows up and is going to destroy the whole thing. And he touches the cobblestone and it sends off some kind of godhead frequency and blows his mind. And so he then decides that even a religion that where he has warred and murdered like thousands or even hundreds of thousands of people to stop them from worshiping idols, he now makes Islam the, the greatest idol-worshiping religion on earth where you have to pray to the east to the stone five times a day. So they're clearing it out, and they find something called the Ark of Gabriel. Well, they make the mistake, and they open this thing. And, and remember, the Ark of the Covenant, there wasn't just one. There were four. And you actually have the schematics to build, if you had enough gold, actually, and, and acacia trees. Uh, you could build an Ark of the Covenant if you wanted to. Supposedly, they built one at the University of Chicago, and it blew up the science wing or something. But that might just be urban myth. So they find something called the Ark of Gabriel. They open this damn thing, and it creates an electrical storm that kills 4,000 people which they then say is they keep it out of all the papers, but they claim that it's a stampede. Now, they take the box, and for whatever reason, they give it to the Russians. And the Russians, remember, the Russians have been pretty good friends with the Middle East. They built the Aswan Dam and whatever else. They give it to the Russians. The Russians and Putin give it to uh, the patriarch of the Russian Orthodox Church. His name is Kirill. Well, for the first time in two, I'm sorry, 937 years, you have to understand the Russian Orthodox Church and the Catholics hate each other's guts. And Kirill goes and talks to the Pope for the first time in, in nine centuries. Then the Russian fleet takes this box down to Antarctica. And lo and behold, uh, uh, Patriarch Krill goes to Antarctica. And it just so happens that the Russian Orthodox actually have a church in Antarctica. So there's Krill standing out in front of the church surrounded by a bunch of penguins that he's feeding that are coming up to him. Then you have all of these mysterious people going there. You have John Kerry, who goes there with Buzz Aldrin, apparently, on Election Day. Then Obama, he travels around the world with this... Every time he goes on vacation, it costs us $200 million, by the way. He, he has this posse of 93 guys that follow him around the world. And everything, every time they go someplace, something freaky and weird happens. And you know, so first time they go is he goes to Oslo, Norway to accept the Nobel Peace Prize. Really, seriously. And even Obama gets up and goes, I get it. I'm black. I'm cool. And, but that's all I am. I haven't done anything yet. I shouldn't get this. But then the Norway spiral happens. And the Norway spiral, if I can prove absolutely for a fact that the Norway spiral that happens on December 9th of 2009 is a zero-point energy black hole that was created by something called ISCAT, which is the European Incoherent Scattered Radiation Array. And the reason they created this black hole between here and the Earth is, number one, to realign the nodal axis of the Earth 
the North Pole, actually. And number two, draw energy and effluvia, if you will, coronal mass ejections and whatever, off the sun. Well, the sun goes quiet for about three years. And lo and behold, December 9th of 2009, Magnetic North, which has been marching north for 60 years, suddenly listens to too much Rush Limbaugh, takes a hard right turn, and now the North Pole is 1,700 kilometers away, sitting in the middle of the Siberian Sea. So that's the first time Obama goes somewhere. Then the next time he goes is South Africa. And he goes there to supposedly uh, celebrate the life of Nelson Mandela. Well, Nelson Mandela had died there in, there in December, on December 17th, when two comets are crossing. You've got a crazy interpreter who's there who apparently murdered somebody, uh, interpreting Obama but not making any sense whatsoever. And then Obama takes his posse out to this place called the Temple of the Unknown God, and they perform some kind of big ceremony where some people think that they've woken up Marduk or maybe Osiris or some Egyptian god or, or God knows what, but then he does something weird out there. Then he takes his posse down to Argentina, and he sneaks over to, guess where, the Antarctic base there. So something's going on. I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to get my military intelligence people to tell me what exactly. But if you look at Antarctica from space, and that's hard to do because it's blocked out on Google or Google Earth. If you look at Antarctica from space, there's what looks like a huge solar cross and what quite possibly is a city and or lost continent. Maybe when the Earth was positioned a different way, is it possible that Antarctica was Atlantis? Maybe. I mean, that's one theory. The other thing is, is that too, is at the center of Antarctica, uh, is an ice-free zone or region that was reported on by, once again, the German, the German explorers in 34 and 35. Uh, you've got water temperatures up to 65 and 70 degrees. You've got Admiral Byrd who goes down there and basically gets blown out of the water. He comes back in 53, and they said, what should we do with Antarctica? And he says, we should test hydrogen bombs there. And the next day, a fleet of UFOs flying in Luftwaffe formation start flying all around the capital. So I'm just saying that Antarctica seems to be the center of something. There are other people, and this is just rumors now out there, that are saying that they're negotiating with some kind of fleet or that, you know, I don't know if it's the fake news of Buzz Aldrin saying, you know, we're all in trouble, but whatever it was gave Buzz Aldrin a heart attack and he had to be flown out of there. And why would John Kerry, the Secretary of State, our, our top diplomat, by the way, uh, go there on Election Day to supposedly, I don't know, research global warming? So, you know, I wish these conspiracy guys would pick up the phone and go, you know, hey, Sean, here's the here's our current nefarious plot that we're planning. But, uh, you know, they don't. So all I can do is is put together a bunch of information from being on the radio every day with Strange Universe Radio. Tune in. It's from 3 to 5, uh, Monday through Friday on Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com. So um, I don't know what's happening down there, but you can bet that something weird is going on. The queen has been awfully quiet of late. Do you see she's gonna, her? She's, she's going to die. She's going to die this year. And a matter of fact, that's one of the biggest things that you will see is major world leaders uh, dying. And I think the queen is the, the queen is the first one and she's going to set off a lot of other ones. I'm not so sure. Uh, uh, I, I think we're going to see uh, queen Elizabeth die this year. Uh, her husband may go with her. I believe you're going to see the death of Raul Castro. Uh, but you know, major, major leaders around the world. I mean, it's, it's 2016. We thought 2016, as a matter of fact, today's the, one-year anniversary of, uh, of David Bowie dying. Uh, happy birthday, Pat Benatar. Of all the people who died last year, uh, world leaders this time. That's going to be the biggest thing. You're going to watch the death of, uh, 
I would say anywhere between she's anyway, she's not well. The queen is not well. She's 90 years old. And, uh, uh, again, I believe this is the year that she finally passes. I also believe that she is going to bypass Prince Charles and actually go directly to uh, Prince William and uh, make him the King of England. Why do you think Hello? she would do? Why do you think she would do that? Uh, I think Charles is an embarrassment. I think that they really don't like Camilla at all, and uh, I think uh, I think she believes that Charles is a bit of a punce and. Uh, it also has to do too the the biggest reason, and let me see how much time do we have left. Oh, we got a bunch of time. Um, the biggest reason for me is is that Prince William, and not well, maybe Prince Harry because <laughs> Prince Harry's father is a writing instructor. Uh, Prince William is of the the Merlinic bloodline. If I if I can explain a little bit here, uh, you've got to go all the way back to Princess Penelope. Where and Princess Penelope is in the Shakespearean era, and she is the one that should have been Queen of England, but she was passed over for her younger brother James the First. Penelope then married Robert Spencer. Robert Spencer then uh, is the and Penelope. Although the challenge is that Robert Spencer apparently was either well a little light in the loafers and or gay, uh, and that uh, Princess Penelope had a an affair with William Shakespeare. William Shakespeare acted acted as a spy for the uh, for the Queen and was responsible for throwing Sir Walter Raleigh in jail. And when Sir Walter Raleigh got out of jail, he found out that William Shakespeare had boofed, boofed Princess Penelope and was responsible for murdering William Shakespeare. Uh, Princess Penelope, though, her great-great-great-great-great-granddaughter is Princess Diana. Princess Diana also comes from the House of Wessington, and when the Wessingtons came to America, they became they changed their name to Washington. And as a matter of fact, George Washington's father is married, is buried uh, two crypts down from where uh, Princess Diana is supposed to be. I say supposed to be because there's a whole another conspiracy theory about that. But all of this relates to the Merlinic bloodline. Merlin, the real Merlin, was also known as Ambrosius Aurelius, and he was the great-grandson uh, no, not, not even great-grandson. He was the grandson of Marcus Aurelius. And Marcus Aurelius, and then he actually fought in the Punic Wars with uh, against Attila the Hun. And it was Merlin, or actually uh, Ambrosius Aurelius, who came from France, where he, where he forged the sword Excalibur in Brittany, and then came across with his daughter, Guinevere. And Guinevere was the one that was then he found King Arthur, or actually his name was Dwayne Donquin in the real history. Uh, and uh, Arthur then marries uh, uh, Guinevere, which then creates the Merlinic bloodline. And that Merlinic bloodline goes all the way through to Prince William. If you look at Prince William, next time you see a picture of Prince William, hold a dollar bill up to Prince William, and you will see the remarkable resemblance between Prince William and uh, George Washington because it's all the House of Wessington. And I believe that um, there is the possibility now, mind you, that the next Messiah that I believe comes from England, because I have this theory that the first Messiah was Buddha, uh, born in the area of Nepal and Bhutan. The second Messiah was Christ, uh, or, or Yeshua ben Joseph, who then actually not only is born in Bethlehem, as the prophecy says, but then goes to Egypt, which is the shocker point, but that the next Messianic figure that comes will come from England and be born sometime between 2034 and 2039. 
Uh, if you want to continue with that, there's an ex- another Messiah comes after that that's born in Machu Picchu and then one in Los Angeles. And the, then the final, of the, the final one of the great Buddhas, uh, known as the Maitreya Buddha, not this, not this guy, that's the Benjamin Krem guy that's running around, but the, uh, the final Maitreya Buddha is born in 2489 AD and is born in Japan. So the, uh, uh, so the point of this entire thing being is that I think she finally skips it simply because it is uh, William who actually holds the bloodline of Excalibur, if you will, holds the, uh, holds the true Merlinic bloodline. And that's, that's why they want, that's why they brought Diana in in the first place was to actually provide that bloodline to the Royal family. All right. We only got about four and a half minutes left with you here. Oh. How about, how about some quick positive news, something positive that's going to happen in 2017? Oh, all, oh, all kinds of amazing things are going to happen. I mean, I, as, as I said, I mentioned a few positive things. I think that, uh, we're going to see, uh, we're going to see major cures for, for, uh, major diseases. I, I mean, you know, things like, uh, you know, for stuff in the brain, for stuff in, uh, I think they're going to finally figure out a lot of the stuff about, uh, you know, about autism and the link between, uh, uh, between mercury in the brain, between the, you know, there's just the horrible Holocaust that's going on with this whole vaccination stuff. Uh, I think it's going to be, uh, I think we're really seeing a draining of the swamp. I think that it's a whole new world with Donald Trump, um, because I think you're going to see a lot of criminals brought to justice. I think that you're going to see a, a complete change in the, in the, the banking and the money system. Uh, once again, watch out for the flash crashes going up and down from what I've just scanned. And I haven't really looked at it before. Uh, there's going to be a lot of money to be made off Bitcoin. I think the stock market is going to go once again, even though there's going to be flash crashes up and down, the market is, is, is twisting now towards, uh, uh, towards 2,800 or 28,000. I'm sorry, uh, towards 28,000. I think that the, uh, uh, I think protecting the borders of the country is fantastic. I think that once we start clearing up immigration and start getting criminals out of the country, that it's going to free up jobs for Americans. I think you're going to see a massive return of infrastructure. Uh, I think I think employment is going to go through the roof. I think that the uh, I think initiatives are going to begin for uh, for rebuilding our roads, rebuilding our schools, rebuilding our infrastructure as far as far as transportation goes. I think that uh, that Trump maybe takes on the banks and and starts a it's it's the end of slavery. It's just you know the whole system really has to go under because we're we're based in a debt slavery system. I you know I'm also hoping and praying and let me make a prediction that I hope occurs. Uh, I want a case to go to the Supreme Court based on student loans. I want something that 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 students are being burdened now with 1.7 trillion dollars in debt, which means. When they get out, they move back in with their parents. They're not having kids. They're not getting married. They're paying off this debt. We're sacrificing the bloodline of our nation to these banks because the Clintons, the Clintons and the Republicans back in the 90s passed a law that said students are second-class citizens and that you can't exercise the constitutional right of bankruptcy in order to get out of a student loan. It's obscene. It's absurd, and it's completely unconstitutional against the law. And I hope somebody actually uh, uh, actually takes one of those cases eventually to the Supreme Court. So that's my hope. I'm not going to make it a prediction, but it's my hope that that happens. But I think the monetary system is going to is going to reset itself. I think the United States, uh, you know, finally gets out of other people's business. I think we're going to see a a, a positive reaction uh, to the uh, solution in Syria and the Middle East. Uh, 
once again, I think the French are going to uh, are going to start taking back what's going on with them. I think Angela Merkel finally is is driven from power. I see a great new friendship between the United States and Russia, which leads us to everything from space and space exploration to uh, new forms and sources of power and energy. That's going to be another big thing. Uh, we're going to see things like uh, uh, massive drops in the price of oil, but also cold fusion and uh, you know clean nuclear, and maybe even the real the real thing, uh, which is zero point energy. Maybe you know anti gravity. Maybe the all the secrets that come out of Area Fifty One. It's a it really is a bright new day, and we're 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 lucky in so many ways that uh, you know that we finally have grown ups in charge of the government that are finally for the American people and not against them. And uh, I think we really are going to make America great again. And uh, once again, you know, it all says, I think it's in the book of, of Psalms, that if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, then will I bring the fish back to the rivers and, the, and the, the fowl to the air, and will I reach my hand from heaven and will I heal their land? And I think that that's what's going on now. And I think, uh, as Ronald Reagan used to say, less government, more personal responsibility, and with God's help, a better world. Does that wrap it up? Pretty quick here, man. Just remind people where they can find your books, your website, your radio show. Thank you so much. Once again, I'm on Revolution Radio five days a week, Monday through Friday, from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific. Uh, it's revolutionradio.co or freedomslips.com. Check out my website at strangeuniverseradio.com. Uh, my books are Black Seraph, uh, Veil of the Antichrist, uh, The Dark Prophet, and uh, uh, please get into the Sands of Time series, Sands of Time 1 and 2. We've been rated 5 star by uh, five star on Amazon by thousands of people. Uh, my first hardback book is selling for like $2,600 uh, on Amazon, but there's uh, Sands of Time 1, 2, and the Isomer Protocol, which is book 3, and there's all kinds of proof that just came out for the Isomer Protocol. By the way, they're being made into major motion pictures. So if you can contribute by just buying my books and being my friend and listening to my show. Uh, and I want to th- uh, say thank you, David Scott, for uh, being one of the greatest voices on radio. And congratulations you, to you and all your success, my friend. Thank you. Sean David Morton, we appreciate you coming on the show. Now we start to wrap this thing up. If you're listening in on the Space Out Radio side, you hear Mr. Ron Bubblefoot Thal. Of Art of Anarchy, yes, the resident guitar god is the official music of Spaced Out Radio, bringing us in and taking us home every single night on Spaced Out Radio. Tomorrow night on the show, the crypto guru is back. Ronald Murphy is going to get into the year of cryptids leading into 2017, his first appearance of this year. Love having the crypto guru back, 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern Time at SpacedOutRadio.com. Remember, if you want to hear this show and others, go to our YouTube channel, Spaced Out Radio Show. Tune us in on TuneIn and download this show and others on iTunes. Really appreciate to take your time. We will see you in 21 hours from now. Have a good one, everyone. See ya. Stay in line, don't make a mistake. We're watching. We watched you fall so hard.